Hello, everyone. Welcome into Debate Night. We're back yet again, back live. Energy high. Yeah, a lot of things have went down. Uh, some great topics. We'll cover a lot of them, I think, a little bit more in depth on Grip Locked on Thursday. But some good debate topics, I think, have also happened within the last week. So uh, it feels definitely like, be exciting. It feels like for Debate Night, it feels like a lot of stuff happens right before you guys had like the grip lock curse where you we would, did for a while. You would do it, and then like stuff would happen after the yeah. fact. Well, we would film on Wednesday morning. Stuff would be announced Wednesday afternoon, and then we'd post it on Thursday, and then we'd have a whole, wait a whole week to cover. Yeah, it. and uh, yeah, we've we've just been getting a lot of a lot of good stuff happening. Now, obviously, the season is completed. Yeah. Uh, quick shout out to Nathan Queen and Missy Gannon for taking that down. Uh, super exciting. I don't even know if. I don't think we have too much to even debate about as far as, I mean, a little bit maybe about the format. Some people wanted to talk a little bit about that and hear our opinions on that. I think we're going to probably agree for most of it. My only thing is, um, you know, could there, could there be more excitement potentially if you're a fan of having like all the top players playing, right? The, like every day. Where you, yeah, where you show up and maybe like say like you could only show up on a Thursday or a Friday, you're not seeing the top four guys out there, or the top four ladies out there as well. So that, that might be like one of the things, but as far as, uh, my gosh, as far as, uh, drama goes, I know FPO was a little bit of a runaway. Missy didn't even make it close, but my goodness, that, that format was it worked to perfection as far as drama goes uh, on the on the men's side. No, yeah, absolutely. And the 30K, I will say this, because there were people on Twitter tweeting about how, like, the format, the format, this is what the for the form, and it's like, no, 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 no. You're seeing these emotions from these players that you don't see all year because they're playing for $30,000. Yeah. You're not seeing it because of the well, format. Well, Nathan Queen, I think it was day one, they interviewed him after he like qualified and went through, and they said something about his putt being on. Mm -hmm. And he was like, well, you know, with 30000 on the line, I showed up earlier and got some more putt practice putts in because I knew how important this was. Yeah. The format allows, I think, for players like Nathan Queen to shine mm -hmm. because you don't have to... He did do it like four rounds in a row, but you don't have to like stack up four rounds in a row. You just have to get in that top four each day. That's all you're focused on. You do it, and then the next day you're back to even with everyone. Yeah. So you don't have to worry about like, oh, I'm two back of Ricky. Oh, now I'm four back of Ricky after two mm -hmm. days, and I got to make a comeback. Mm -hmm. You're even every day. Um, real, but real, it definitely also has a benefit of like each round you advance, you know, you're guaranteed X amount more yeah. just by advancing through those four. It's something I've always said. More money coming in to the players pockets you're going to see two things you're going to see one more players that are good local pros that like everyone's like why aren't you touring why aren't you touring you're going to see those guys go so the fields are going to get better it's going to be more exciting second thing you're going to see more emotion when you have a putt coming down the line that's the difference between ten thousand dollars and a hundred dollars the the ten thousand dollar like the person that's putting for the ten thousand dollar change is going to show way more emotion than the hundred dollar tournament um, and then also just want to quickly, John Vaughn wants to know, didn't, uh, he, he asked the question real quick. Hasn't this Brody dude quit yet? John actually just played a tournament this weekend and won. So no, I haven't. And I believe I also just eclipsed $12,000 in earnings. Uh, it, it could be kind of exciting to see what I can do next year money wise, especially with the purses going up because didn't you say the purses this year 
were three hundred thousand dollars higher than well, the previous year. It's more than that. It was the I saw a stat where like the top if you took the top ten earners of oh each top years, ten earners yeah the top ten earners this year made three hundred thousand dollars more than the top ten last year. Yeah, and that's basically just because the, the purses, purses keep are going up. getting higher and higher. So, uh, yeah. But okay, so lots to talk about on the show. The first thing we want to kind of get into, I think, is is talking about Eagle and the situation that went down with him not being able to actually compete this week. Um, and uh, I'm sure a bunch of people have seen the video that he released on his social media. Uh, we are obviously hoping for a, a quick recovery. I mean, the timing of it was probably the worst as far as like, you know, this is the biggest payout. Yeah, but well, you could say it's the worst or the best. But it's also the like, best because now he has all off season yeah, to. Make it would sure. the best possible scenario would have been the week after it happened. Yeah, to where the season's over and then you have all. But if it's going to happen and you're going to miss something, at least it's the last event of the year to where now you can. You have a full off season to actually recover. And plus, we we still at least I've missed something. Haven't heard the full severity. Yeah, it, I mean, when you throw your shoulder out, which is it's it looked like. From the video, it looked like he kind of just dislocated his shoulder. But he didn't. He said it like it went right back in. Yeah, and so what I've what I've heard from people, it's never happened to me, thankfully. But what I've heard from people and teammates of mine that this happened to, it basically just becomes very, very sore. And so I'm sure he had a lot of inflammation and stuff like that. And hopefully he went to doctors and they probably told him, "Hey, it's probably not the best idea for you to be ripping, you know, seventy mile yeah. per hour shots." Once, yeah, my initial. So when it first. I first heard he dislocated his shoulder. I put a tweet out about like how much that could affect his throw. Mm-hmm. Once I saw the video, because it depends like the severity of the dislocation as to like what all it tears on the way way yeah. out. So in the video, it's definitely a possible dislocation. Go back in, mm-hmm. but it does seem like the type where like he could just kind of rest it, do some rehab, and be back to a hundred percent kind of by the end of the year type thing. The thing to look at for is we had a guy that was just known to have his shoulder pop out yep once and you do it once yes it's easier that's to do what, the second so, time so something yeah. for hopefully that he takes care of does the rehab the does interesting all the stuff thing that he when needs i just dis- i dislocated my shoulder my senior year of high school 17 mm-hmm. when i went to the doctor uh they were debating like should i do surgery or not and um Jeez. well because mine was really long board was, i was on a longboarding accident it's a long story oh, uh, but mine mine was like ripped out at like dark horse longboarder i, I do not see mine was ripped out at like 25 30 miles an hour so mine was a much different thing but they were <laughs> okay. debating the surgery but they said that basically when you dislocate your shoulder you take your year and ages and subtract that from 100 and that's the percent chance it's going to pop back out again in the rest of your life that seems silas that doesn't seem right that seems like ma- this guy. That, that this seems guy's like got this guy's got a like sports doctorate degree from Duke University that told me this. That's like uh, I think pe- it's because like I was seventeen year old. Yeah, so but that's like the same thing as that it's, it's the same thing as like when people are like, oh, what's your max heart rate? And they're like, oh, just take one eighty and subtract it from your age. That's your max heart rate or whatever it is. Like uh, that doesn't. Mm. I think it's just like because mm. of like how much longer you have in your life, like it's probably gonna pop. But just, there's the more, a, once there's you a pop lot it of out the second people. time, there's once you pop it out the people. second time, then it's easier to pop out the third time because all the ligaments just start yes. stretching and tearing more I agree and more. With and more. You there. I don't agree with this math equation that your guys coming up with. I'm just saying that's what I was told. I don't agree with that. That's what I was told. Uh, and some people in the chat are telling you that you should probably shortboard and not longboard. No, I just I don't, don't. I just stay away from it. I now. think that's just skateboarding. I don't think there is a shortboard. I think it's just, no, there is. No, they do have like those super mini boards. That's a penny oh, board. That's a penny, penny board. board. Yeah, different. there's an in between. Me and Silas don't go- do good on penny boards. I can tell you that right now. No, no, my foot is the size oh, of the penny board. That's fair. That's fair. And also, we're like 
you know you got a lot more to fall yeah like us on roller skates is is it's dangerous because we're just so top heavy we're way up here um but the one thing i do want to see because i I, i'm curious what you thought and some people were kind of going back and forth on this do you think something like this happening Mm -hmm. because when you watch the when you watch the footage of how he did it he's not doing a normal throw yes okay he's doing something completely something that he wouldn't do in a tournament ever. Do you think stuff like this is going to potentially have now sponsor, you know, manufacturers that sponsor these players? Um, Do you think they're going to now start questioning or maybe even potentially putting stuff in their contracts? Because we've heard this from other sports as well of where players aren't allowed to partake. You know, if they're football players, they're not allowed to partake in basketball or whatever it may be to kind of, keep the protection there a little bit now i i will say like i have seen on the golf side of things i have seen them do a lot of challenges and stuff leading up to a tournament so like they did a uh i don't know what tournament it was but they did do like a happy gilmore swing so they all wore yeah. the hockey jerseys and they all like did the happy That's gilmore all that, swing, yeah right so there is stuff like that where i have seen you know some kind of fun challenges leading up to it but do you think his injury, you know, as far as dysmania is concerned, that's a big blow. This was this is going to be on, I believe, ESPN two, um, and that's like their re- their representation at this tournament was basically going to be Eagle from the people that were left on the final day, and then he had to basically not be able to do it. So, do you think this is going to be something that potentially, you know, opens eyes for? sponsor saying hey we don't want you to partake in this this and this uh well yes and no so because this situation in particular first off before we say anything about this topic i think it's important to make sure like it doesn't sound like we're ever putting blame on jomez in the situation because no. they weren't asking him to do like and at the end of the day he can snowboarding say no. or like something crazy and he can he say was, no he yeah. has the right to say no um but what i'm gonna say is i it wouldn't surprise me if contracts had like extracurricular stuff of like limiting stuff that where injury is more high, highly likely mm. this case scenario, Eagle was still just throwing a disc when mm-hmm. it's all said and done. He yeah. threw it weird. Sure. But he was still throwing a disc. So to me, I, I think this is just a freak accident, you know, cause realistically like the way he, he, if you haven't seen it, he was basically like doing this thing where he like act like he was going to run up and throw a backhand and then spun around to throw a forehand. Mm-hmm. I think just the torque just kind of ripped his shoulder out of place basically. Mm-hmm there's no way to say that wasn't going to happen if he just threw enough like five more forehands so you think freak accident i think this scenario might open the eyes to the possibility of like putting more stuff limiting in contracts as far as like extracurricular stuff but this situation i think because me- I, I don't think this is a situation where he did something that was like so abnormal and like egregious that like disc mania is like ticked off at him for how could you put yourself in a risky he was just throwing a 360 forehand like he didn't do something that's like crazy, like extreme sport skydiving right before so that, his last thing. Well, let's give you that. I'll give you that scenario. So let's say, like you know, off season you go snowboarding, right, and you break your arm or something, yeah, right. Like how, how I could see that type of thing being put of, in. And do you think that stuff also potentially? And it's mo- more like just like being put in, in a sense of like, hey, if you hurt yourself doing something it outside void of your disc contract. golf. Like we're not gonna still pay you the two hundred, three hundred, four hundred. Well, I could see it kind of going two ways. It, it could be like a, it's a void your contract type of thing mm-hmm. of like it basically we have the right to renegotiate based on like if an injury happens outside of normal sports 
whatever with disc golf or you could go the route of many athletes typically do this but i could see a company of like let's say that discraft got insurance on like paul's arm mm-hmm. or something like that yep. of like because i mean i know plenty of athletes and stuff will insure parts of their body that's like if my this ha- if something happens to my arm as a pitcher or something then like my career shot so i can insure my arm and just pay x amount to make sure like if something did happen true I could see companies going that route too of like, we have our player locked in for X amount of years. We're going to get insurance on and disc golf. It almost have to be the arm, but I mean, realistically a leg and ankle, like so many things could put you out in disc golf. So I don't know how that would work, but it's not like bodily insurance, but I could definitely see contracts being written in of like extracurricular, like stuff outside of the normal workout prep routines for disc golf injuries that happen there could cause a contract when you get renegotiation type mm-hmm. thing. All right, let's talk about the uh, the man of the hour, Drew Gibson here. Uh, yeah. Just posted on his Instagram uh, saying that he just signed today his first ever multi-million dollar deal. I don't know if details, you guys will, you guys will probably go into yeah, it well, on We'll just say on his agents on his agency instagram okay they posted they revealed that it was okay. with infinite disc and it's a lifetime deal okay lifetime so those are deal, the two that infinite have been revealed. Disc. okay and that as far as i'm concerned that is the first not first but that is the only person on the tour right now that has a lifetime deal yeah i would imagine like ken climo or barry schultz might have lifetime deals but, but they're not they're not touring professionals no. but yeah as know. far as i know so now here's a question yeah at drew's age 26 Six, yep is a lifetime deal smart move for him I think, now we it's hard to know because we don't know the ins and outs of the like money yeah. side of the contract but lifetime deal at 26 is he, that smart here's what i'll say i think you know especially if there's like if, especially if in that deal there is maybe some like ownership in infinite disc or something like that that would sweeten it up for sh- sure um but at, i think also there's a lot of people that just want that security right mm-hmm. and you know, you see this all the time in other sports. And, and most of the time you see it on like some of the lower level guys of where they aren't willing to like bet on themselves or risk it on themselves. And they'll take a smaller deal that's guaranteed versus like a potentially bigger deal, but that's not guaranteed. Um, and that could be kind of the play here of he goes, okay, well, if I win worlds next year, for example, like, oh man, I could have probably gotten a way sweeter deal. But I have this awesome offer that basically sets me for life. Yeah, I'm solid, um, and you well, know, it's, just it's tough. To it's too. tough. It, it's we did see that it also is going to have his own line of discs and stuff like yeah, that. But it, without I, knowing the money number, it's hard to know if it's a dumb deal or a smart deal. I mean, with talking but, with Drew and stuff, I, I don't think he would be the type of type of person to just like throw himself. He also has representation. It's not just him. I think he. I think you know, right now his his stock is probably the highest it's ever been. And uh, that's always a good time to, to strike. So yeah. um, I was know. just surprised when I read lifetime deal. I just at the age of 26, I'm lifetime fitness, baby. I guess if you're yeah. no free ads, no free ads, <laughs> but lifetime fitness. It's just I, when I read lifetime deal, it surprised me, but we'll, we'll try to find out some more information before we shoot grip locker and we go into a little more detail there. I just wanted to hear your opinion on yeah, 26 year old. I think you deal. also have to look at it a different way though. Cause if you're looking at it, like kind of like a team aspect of like, Oh, I'm signing a contract to play with this team from, that's not what people are doing here. It's, it's, you know, people signing with Nike or Adidas or Under Armour yeah. and they're saying, Hey, I, I want to show you loyalty 
for the entire uh, entire. Well, the issue in my whole thing with disc golf right now is the money in disc golf is just going through the roof. Mm -hmm. So let's say that Paul, three years ago, when he goes to Discraft, signed a lifetime deal with Discraft. Mm -hmm. He's not he's not signing a one million dollar guaranteed per year deal with Discraft. Now three years later, he is. Sure. And that's just the value in not necessarily the value as a player, the value in disc golf's gone up as the sports grown. But you have so to So you're betting if me, if I'm signing a lifetime guaranteed deal, which we don't know if this is a guaranteed deal, but let's just say also it's weird to me saying multi million and it's lifetime, it's either like in the contract he can't say how much, or it's like two or three million. Which then like if it's two million lifetime, like he could have got a bigger deal than that three years from now in my head. I think I think it's a smart play though because, like I said, it's like right now the iron's hot, the sport's growing, and um, you know if it makes at, at the end of the day the most important thing, right? Mm -hmm. And and this is how I did my you know sponsorship dealing at the beginning is I wanted to go with something that I was happy with and not necessarily the most money, like you don't always have to do the deal or whatever that's going to give you the most money because sometimes going that route, it's going to make you, uh, it's going to make your life harder or, or, or more unhappy. I'm sure his, his relationship with infinite's great. Um, and he probably has, you know, he probably has a decent sized contract there to where he's like, I'm happy. Yeah. And it, if he goes out next year and he doesn't play well, I think he'd probably still be all right. So, but the one thing I do want to say, which Clearly, is there was there's probably talks already before he tweeted this out, and it makes a lot more sense now that he uh, has signed this lifetime deal with Infinite. Is he says uh, he tweeted uh, or someone tweeted at him? Nobody can touch Drew's buzz skills. I'm seriously hoping it starts a low key mid range appreciation. And he uh, quote tweeted saying, it's called a mid-range now, but you're right. I use the specific one better, that specific one better than anyone. Um, and someone said, your buzz is just butter. And he responded, mid-range. The free ad subscription has ended. So I think a lot of people initially took that as like, oh, is he coming after Discraft? Clearly, he's going a different route with Infinite. Is it clearly? Well... It depends because if they're if they make him a new mid range, right? Like, think about that. Well, here's if, my thing. If they, you said he's going to make new molds, right? Eventually, yeah. So if they make a mold for him, he probably wants to squash this buzz talk immediately and and start switching it over to a mid range, and then whatever the name of the disc comes out, right? I'm sure he's going to want people to say that, but I don't I don't see that as what with I thought everything was that weird. happened. I don't see that as being weird. What's weird to me is one of his big things with Infinite is he can sell, he can carry all discs brands because mm -hmm. Infinite sells all disc brands. Sure. So, like, let's say that Foundation were to sponsor him. Okay. Mm -hmm. Let's say that we're the ones behind it. Mm -hmm. If I see him trying to like mute out that it's a disc that we sell on our site, I'm upset with him as a sponsor because I'm saying like we're paying you to throw and promote that buzz. But what if we we have back? What if we've had talks that we're going to make him a mid range? I, I I if he doesn't get his own mid range, I would be surprised. Well, I'm sure he probably will. But then you can just say, yeah, you know how good I threw the buzz. I throw this better. Yeah, I mean now there, it's like you know how good I threw that there unspec might be, unspecified mid range that everyone little, knew was a buzz. There might be a few jabs. 
There might be a few. I think it's a jab jabs. because especially when he said the free ad subscription's over. Yeah. Drew's also in that post had hashtag EV7, stuff like that. Drew, mm-hmm. I don't think, is locking in with Infinite and he's not going to be looking for people to pay him to be throwing because that's his whole model, right? Mm-hmm. He wants someone to pay him for his putter, someone to pay him for yep. his mid fairway. I don't think that's going away. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's leaving EV7 and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he might have his own mid-range mold, but I think that if Discraft paid him to throw the buzz, he would throw the buzz. I think what he's saying here is like, if you're not going to pay me, I'm not going to say the name of the disc and give you free advertising as Discraft. Yeah. It's and just, to me, if I'm infinite, I'm being like, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, we're paying you for that advertising. You're right. You're right. Um, all right. Let's, let's, let's stick on Drew Gibson here for again. Uh, I mean, he's hot topic right now. Lot, lots going on there. People want to know, and, and for those that didn't know what happened, let me give you a quick little backstory. So Gannon Burr uh, ended up getting, I believe they had officials on the, the they had officials during this tournament. I think it was something that they were maybe testing out and it worked for this tournament because the number of players playing at a single time was very small. So you could have two or three officials out on the course and they would be covering the entire field, which wouldn't really actually work for um other tournaments but it was stated on coverage i believe two days it could have been all three but on two days it was stated that an official had given ganon burr a time assessment or a time penalty or whatever you want to call it right Mm -hmm. a warning um and it sounded like uh drew gibson which again i don't know if the official was going to do it or not but it did sound like drew gibson gave that same time warning uh, on hole 15, I believe, 14 or 15. And then Gannon proceeded to bogey the next holes. And so the question there is, a lot of people are like, did Drew Gibson alpha Gannon Burr? You know, and there was a lot of people attacking Drew Gibson saying, you know, he's just a kid. Uh, how could you do something like this? And um, I'll, I'll hear your take on it first. Well, okay. So in your phrasing, because my phrasing is one hundred percent right. No, it is, but he, I'm just because I I agree with I agree Drew Alpha Drew Gibson if that or Drew Alpha Gannon Burr if that's how you want to say it. I agree that, but he also did the right thing. Okay. So I think it's like a two way street here, if that makes any sense, because he called him on a time violation when there was a clearly a time violation to be called. But Alfing Alf. But the result of it was it literally basically that stroke and everything it cost Gannon knocked him out of going on. Do you think that caused it though? Do you think Gannon hearing that he had? Do you not get a stroke penalty for? No, it was a warning, I believe. I don't think it's a warning anymore because it has to be seconded. I don't believe. I think they took the warning out. I don't believe he got stroked. I didn't see that. From what I saw, it sounded like he got it on one hole, and then the next two holes he bogeyed. Unless I'm thinking of a different rule. I'm I believe I believe that's what someone said, um, that he got it on one hole, and then the next two holes okay. Gannon played, he he bogeyed. Now, it I, is a warning. It is a warning. I'm yeah. thinking of a foot fault. Okay. They changed. So first off, I'll say- But Al- didn't he actually get called on it a second time? I don't know. I'm so not he just sure got warned. That. I think he got warned. People were saying that him getting warned then f- basically made him bogey the next two holes because he was like frazzled. Well, I I'm would guessing. say it would if I'm taking because Gannon, if you've watched on coverage, he is just something he's learning. I guess I don't know. He does take an eternity on a lot of shots. I will. I will say I think Drew literally said that. I will was, say Gannon is the slowest player on tour. 
I think he, I think Drew had said it took like two minutes on one of the holes, two minutes on the next one before he eventually called him. So if that's your routine is Gannon, that's what you're used to every time, and then you get called on it to where you know in this tournament every stroke matters. But I don't think it's a routine. Like if you watch, if you watch him. If you, well, the same thing with, Nico, with same with the Nico, for example. Nico doesn't have a minute and a half putting routine. But it's what he's comfortable with when he's playing. Yeah, but I could also be really comfortable foot faulting every single time. That doesn't mean I should be able to do it. So I think that's the key. Is like no, yeah, I agree with him calling okay. it. But I'm saying that I, that's where I also agree with by him calling it. He alpha him, alpha him to make him be thrown off the next few holes. But I think, see, that's where I disagree. I think when you alpha someone, you're doing something to try to like basically show your dominance, right? I don't think he was doing... He wasn't intentionally I don't think Drew was him, like, I'm gonna. Did. I don't think Drew was like, I'm going to call him and I know that's going to mess him up. I don't think it was intentional. I don't think that's what that. Drew did. But I think that's what, it, that's what happened. He wasn't intentionally alphaing him, but that's clearly what happened. Yeah. Well, the whole notion too is like he's just a kid. That 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 needs, one, to, be, that's that needs to be thrown out. It no. doesn't matter. Everyone. If this was if junior you're on worlds, tour, yeah. If you're on sure. Like if you're a junior world, how is Drew Gibson playing junior worlds? I'm saying like then you can use the argument for someone is like yeah he's a kid, but you're on the pro tour. You can't use the he's even a kid junior argument. worlds though. Like I don't like there's there, there comes a time like, if you're a ten year old playing a sport. No, think hold on. Think about basketball. You play basketball as a kid. Yes. At a certain point. Double dribbling was called when I became a middle school basketball player. What? When I was Where playing, you playing when basketball? I was playing YMCA rec league as a fourth they grader. They didn't call double no. dribble. They would stop the game, tell you you're double dribbling, and hand you the ball back. For you Bro, to keep that was like that stopped at like seven, age seven and on. Double dribbling was a thing. It depends like, on how serious seven? the league is. Thank you. Silas is even agreeing. It depends on how well, like, the league is. I guess if it's, it's a developmental league. But like YMCA, I played YMCA basketball. They called stuff. Like it wasn't like you Dude, could just. Okay, we're going to talk about YMCA basketball. You couldn't just pick up the ball and walk five steps and we then not We formed a anything. YMCA super team when I was in sixth grade. Dude, okay? that. We, we pulled together a super team to where we were not touchable. And so the YMCA league, the YMCA league made defensive rules specifically against our team. Of like we we were they only up rules. We were only allowed X amount of steals per game, and then pass. Once we got to that number of steals, when we got a steal, we had to pass it to the ref and let the defense set up on the other side. Dude, of the you're court. playing in some dark horse. Well, it's because we were blowing teams out by like forty because we were just stealing. Yeah. We were pickpocketing them and just taking off. I'm glad everyone in the chat has my back here. People are saying double dribbling started in second grade, like. Bro, it where, depends on your how, league. Like, how slow were you guys? I was a up middle here? school basketball coach. I had to teach players pivot step, double dribbling, basic stuff like that when they came into middle school basketball. Like, they didn't know it. My starting five did, but my like eighth man, dude, we no would have, we would have, we would have wiped the floor with you guys. I never said I coached a good we middle school basketball. Wiped the floor with you guys if you're over here trying to learn how to drop step when you're 15 years old. He was in fifth grade. Right. He was in sixth grade. All right. Well, it's like a twelve-year-old. Okay. Well. Um, all right. So th- I think that's enough with the uh, Drew Gibson situation. Uh, let's talk real quick. Did Jamie Thomas? For those that didn't catch it, uh, you know Terry Miller's in the booth, which I'm also very curious. Is like, is Terry Miller like? Does he have FOMO? No fear of missing out. No, that's like that's FOMO. Yeah, but I don't. That's like that's like uh, you're worried about missing out on something. He knows he's missing out on something, but do you think he like like do you think it really irks him that he can't like get the mic right into someone right after they win? 
Because um, that's his go-to. You don't think like he's I, in the booth and he's just like, oh my gosh, I, I really want to. I think get... he likes being the in her, like the in studio commentary. Yeah, he's actually pretty. He's actually pretty good. He, I, I think he's one here's, of the okay, one of the better take. guys. Here's a hot take. Okay, I think it. that Nate Sexton. I think is if you put Nate Sexton with the right person, he's already made it. I don't think he has much change to do. Yeah. But Nate Doss and Terry Miller, not bad. They have potential. They're not of bad. like if they they're like just one or two changes away from being very good. They're not that and bad. They've gotten a lot better as the seasons went on. I agree. So I think like the commentary did not bother me at all. This the Terry Terry Nate Doss Nate Sexton. Well, part of it too. I didn't have was, any issues. I think part of it too was the emotion felt right because of how much the players were showing emotion. Mm. When you have Nate Dawes going, oh my gosh, Terry! And the players just... Yeah, but When you have him saying that and you have Drew Gibson flexing after he hits a putt, it feels better. They also, I think, did let the moment Build. breathe a little bit. Well, right? the they, final day, they had to because there's only four players playing. But I'm saying they weren't... They didn't feel like they, was dead, like they allowed dead space to happen and also yeah. it helps with the crowd noise and all that stuff. So... But that wasn't what I was going to say. Yeah. The question was, Jamie Thomas was now down and doing the interview. Yes. I think at one point, I hope someone can go back, and maybe it's on Jomez's posts and someone can see it. I believe I saw Jamie Thomas at one point, like, hiding behind a tree down the fairway. I okay. don't know you if it's... You can't say anything about that. I no. don't know if, it's actually, if it actually was him. His, his responsibility is to be down the fairway and, like, talking about... In the middle of the fairway? He was in the middle of the fairway hiding behind a tree. Okay, well, that one's kind of bad. But, like, if he's, like, immediately off and he's hiding behind a yeah, tree. Yeah, off the fairway is one thing. He was in the middle of the fairway. I mean, like, like there's, like, there's, like, <laughs> there's, like, a fairway on the right and a fairway on the left and trees in the middle that you have to miss, and he's in the tree line hiding. I, I believe it was him because it looked like him and he had a backpack on. But if someone can catch that and, and tweet me, please, uh, that would be hilarious. Uh, that would be a very memeable picture. Yeah, of someone just... But regardless, the question I was going to have is, did he potentially ask one of the worst post-win interview questions of all time? Okay, as a just general like and for answering those, that question... For the, do you want to say what the question was So for the people well, that there was a, didn't there see Well, there were two questions, right? The mediocre one was the worst one. So the first the question, two. the first question was just kind of worded weird. His sentiment, I think he was very nervous for some reason. Well, thirty thousand dollars. His sentiment. ESPN. Well, Jamie Is that Thomas. Is going to go on ESPN? No. No. Okay. Jamie Thomas <laughs> wasn't nervous about thirty. But okay, his initial question was basically he told Nathan Queen, he's like, "You're the twenty eighth seed, the lowest seed to ever win this. Great. AKA, Good start. Good you're start. The, you're the worst player ever no, no, no. to win this. Tournament. That's a fine start. I had no problem with that. But okay. then he proceeded to go. And immediately say, oh, zero. and zero brackets, <laughs> no one out there, not even one, picked you. That's not how he worded it, but that's what he said. Zero brackets out there picked you to win this thing. Not, a, not even your own parents like, thought you could win this Not tournament. even you filled out a bracket and picked yourself. You didn't yourself. even pick yourself. <laughs> that was the first question. But that one, that one I understood what he was saying. It was like a hype up, like motivational question. But then he was like, this hometown crowd out here, you know, has been rooting for you. All the mediocre shots you threw, they were going crazy. <laughs> And again, I understand what he was saying. He was saying like when he threw a mediocre shot. I think he was saying no matter what, like no matter what shot, no matter you threw, what was going on, these the crowd had your back. The way it came out made it sound like you were just throwing mediocre shots <laughs> left and right, and the crowd was going crazy. Like you won this thing off. Of, like it just sounded like he didn't give credit to like any. Yeah. 
So, w- yes, I think it was one of the like worst. I, worst is a tough word because there's got to be worse ones out there. It was after, it was not after a great. Big, I mean, I'm sure you can go like smaller sports and like see stuff, but like well, this after is a smaller sport. Let's, no, let's no, no, stick no. There. But I'm saying like this is the this is one of the biggest moments in disc golf. Yes. So like one of the biggest moments in baseball, one of the yeah. biggest moments in football sure. and stuff like that. Post So I'm sure there are some the, out there. Uh, they I'm interviewed saying, one of these guys that was like a Hall of Fame uh quarterback at one point. He was just the drunk. way the question I don't know what that was. <laughs> that's all funny. About. The way the question came out was was pretty terrible. But the sentiment and it made like, me laugh. What he meant behind it, I understood. I just love the you are literally the worst person. That's not ever, what he said. Ever that's basically to win what he was saying. Ever to win this tournament. <laughs> you are so bad, no one thought. When he you said could the uh, when he said the um like no one picked you to win it, I was sitting next to my wife, I was like, Oh, that's not I was like, that's not what he meant to say. And then he follows it up with, and you know, the hometown crowd out here, every single mediocre shot you threw, I was like, Oh no. <laughs> And so I, th- I literally turned the TV uh, off, I think, at that point, which it was over. It's so. t- I would say it's tough, too, because like, he's on the ground, so it's like he was walking the whole round. So it- he probably got caught up in the moment a little bit and didn't really like have like, oh, let me bust out my notes real quick and like write down maybe a good question or something like that. So yeah. he's just coming in off the mic. And so when you do that, easy, you know, easy to make mistakes and have stuff slip like that. Um, yeah. but yeah, I, I thought it was, it was a bad moment to slip up the, the way he worded the question. Was that before, or after Nathan queen took the check and just sprinted around? Is that before? I think it was, it be- had to been be- it was before, I think it had to been before. Cause he wasn't out of breath. Yeah. Cause yeah. then, cause then after that is when Jeff spring walked up yeah. and did the, and then he did. And then he sprinted. That was, that was pretty cool. That was pretty sweet. And the live drone shot. My favorite part of that whole awesome. thing was if you watch on, I think the pro tour posted a video of like, someone was like videoing him, like, and they were just like kind of turning around him running the loop. And the PDGA photographer is in a full sprint with his camera in one hand like matching his speed trying to take pictures of him and i'm like watching it i'm like there's no way any of those pictures like the guy's not looking through the camera at all he's just holding out to his side looking maybe he was in front filming. of him maybe he was filming it no no this i, I saw this he's guy like the- at usdgc he was holding like if he was filming it the footage is as shaky as anything you can imagine he was like holding it out arm full extended just like holding down the shutter and it's like looking, pushing people out of his way to like he's the, run with them. Uh, he's the crossfit cameraman that's just running with no because that's on like a stabilizer athletes. and this is just a handheld camera. Oh, man. It was pretty funny. All right. Well, uh, I got one tweet here from John Taylor. He tweeted us. Uh, if you're not following us at Debate Night Pod on Twitter, give us a quick follow. Also, quick shout out to uh, Dark Horse Hats. I can do that. What the heck? Yeah. Yeah, I can do it. Of course you can. Uh, we just we just got these. Uh, <laughs> no hat- one's stopping you. We just got these hats. Uh, so go to foundationdisc.com. Uh, we got a decent amount of them too, but they might go quick. Who knows? Um, and they're snapback. So yeah. some people, I, I personally like the flex fit, uh, if I could pick one or the other, but snapbacks, snapbacks can fit any size head. You've got, see, this is interesting. You've got one bead. This is a loose fitting. This is me. This is me on my loose setting. You've got one bead going. I'm a two. I'm, I'm a, I'm a only two. See, my thing is, my thing is all based on my haircut. If I fully shave my head, I got to go all the way tight. And then as my hair grows, I'll go. The farthest I'll go is uh, two snap. That blows me. I, I have a huge noggin. I have a tiny head. That's why I don't like flex fits. Yeah. So this hat, look at that. Small head, big head, boom. 
Boom. You can wear this hat. And uh, let's real quick actually transition to, hey, guess what? We got another ad, baby. <laughs> Debate night, son. What do you think about that, son? Love it. Are you excited about it? I am stoked. Come on now. This is a product I've actually used multiple times, so I'm excited for you to yeah. be able to read so, this. So uh, Distot, guys, uh, we actually have them currently on our site yeah, as well. Yeah, we've had them so, for a while. So yeah, we have, uh, I believe, a couple different colors. Um, yes. So definitely check it out, foundationdist.com. And uh, Distot, they are a family-owned husband and wife. They run everything from accounting to packing your orders, family-owned business. They also are the first of its kind putting aid, and it's a defined focal point for more consistent aim. So basically, what the item is is it's um, it's a putter ball. It, it's a putter ball, if you want to say that. It's a disc dot. Uh, the the notion of it is when you are oh we Boom. got silence. Look placement. at this. Look at that. He's got them. The idea is basically when when you're putting, and this is something that you probably have heard in tons and tons of videos of putting is they tell you to focus on one chain link, mm -hmm. right? And try to get, you know, aim small, miss small is, is the whole notion, right? And so this allows you to basically set that and everyone's different. Like when you, when you, what's your chain link? Where are you looking when you try to putt? I change mine based on the wind, but no wind, dead center. no wind, dead center. So you're going dead, dead center, center middle height if i'm if i'm pulling my putts right i'll go one chain left of dead center okay see it I'm, doesn't work for me but that's what i do see I, i'm a high right guy oh gosh what <laughs> that's awful i put on a little bit of hyzer so okay. it's going to come back a little left oh so you interesting yeah so you aim where you want to release yes i aim where i want to hit interesting you might be a better putter if you use your disc dot in a different location also, I want to say real quick, one of these was on one of the practice baskets at USDGC. Yeah, well, the, I actually met so, the owner at USDGC. Lots of people he are was using walking it. around on there. Um, uh, as you can see, they're brightly colored. I think we have a pink, a yellow, and a red. And a red. I believe this is a UV. I could be wrong. But they have UV ones that are like day glow that basically just oh. shine so in the sun. So they're brightly covered for less eye strain and improved focus. Uh, they help to build your confidence, which, which leads to more putts made. Uh, they provide a more effective and fun practice routine. Over 25,000, wow, units have been sold worldwide in the first year of business, and they sponsor tons of pros and amateurs alike. Distot is a tool for everyone. Yeah, and uh, one thing that I really liked when we first, we got our hands on them basically when they first came out. We did a video uh, advertising them. Um, I think it was in our putting video, actually. We showed exactly how they work. But basically, they have this like little opening that slides onto the chain, and they've been made. I haven't found a basket yet that you can't slide it on. So I've used it on my marksman basket at home. Mm -hmm. I have a Discraft light basket here at the office. And then when we shot the videos on a Prodigy, um, good for T1, all baskets. Which those are three very different chains, and they worked perfectly on all three. So we appreciate it. Uh, you know, go support Distot. They support this podcast. So uh, thank you so much, Distot. Boom. Oh, Silas. Wait, did he catch that? Yeah, of course he caught that. Okay. All right. All right. I have to check. All right, so uh, we got a tweet hash, uh, at Debate Night Pod. Follow us. We're almost at a thousand followers. Let's go! Come on. Um, John Taylor says, "Debate if only players, one caddy each, and cameramen should be allowed inside the ropes, or alternately, all gosh, alternately. Thank you. Yep. If the prime viewing positions should be occupied by eliminated players, family and and friends, hangers on instead of paying spectators." This is going to be an issue that's going to come up more and more now that 
most of these events, you do have paying spectators. Mm-hmm. And I think we mentioned this earlier. We definitely mentioned this before. About yeah. like inside the ropes. You know, if you are inside the ropes, you should definitely be mindful of the paying spectators behind you. At times, you should definitely be like kneeling down. But again, if you watch the coverage, there are tons of people that are coming up to Nathan Queen uh, as he's walking down the fairway. Some people might say they love that. I'm not a big fan of it. I think there's a time and a place for that. And that time and a place is off 18th green uh, when when Nathan Queen is leaving, not when he's still in the limelight. Um, and so that's all I'll say about that. I think I think that needs to get cleaned up. Um, yeah, well, yeah. There's... Yeah. No, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. I think that it basically should be players... Each player should be allowed one caddy, mm-hmm. and then the media crews that are filming should be the priority inside the ropes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they obviously don't have to kneel down. I like your idea of like because there are some people who are like bloggers, reporters. They need to kneel down. They can, they need to be inside the ropes to see what's happening because like USDGC is mm-hmm. the one that I went to, and there's some holes that you just if you're in the crowd you're not seeing unless you've been there sure. four holes in advance. So they need to be inside the ropes, but I agree. You, you should have to kneel down so that people can see over you. Um, but it's definitely, like you said, it's going to be a problem more and more, especially as like you start selling VIP passes and VIP yeah. have like access to like USCGC, maybe VIP pass holders are the only ones that are allowed to walk down hole eight because of how tight it gets or such and such. But then like if VIP pass holders are like the only ones walking on hole eight, but you still got a wall of reporters in front of you that you can't see anything around, then it's like, well, why did I pay the extra 50 bucks? Yeah, it's going to be a problem. Like I said, there's going to be some paying uh, patrons that aren't going to be too thrilled about that. So I think the sooner they can kind of nip that in the butt and let people know, yo, there's a time and a place for it. And <laughs> this right is now, a good, this is a great comment. Mike said, I know people hate when golf gets compared to disc golf, but like, I love it. Maybe we should take it out of the name then. I love so it. He said, imagine Rory caddying for Bryson. Yeah. So that goes on to my last thing I want to say before we open up to live calls is a lot of people were wondering. Uh, they wanted to hear our opinions on Yuli being on the bag of Drew Gibson. Now, Yuli is a sponsored uh, player for Discraft. He's also the uh, team uh, captain, which, okay. Um, and you had two other sponsored players in the finals. You had Paul McBeth and Adam Hammies. And he's catting for Drew Gibson. Thoughts? I mean, that didn't bother me. I, I mean, but I'm also, I don't know. So like the different manufacturers, no problem at all for you. I don't view manufacturers as a team. Maybe that's a weird thing to me. Okay. Um, Because like, it's not a team sport. Yeah. So like, I understand we call it like team discraft, team dynamic, mm-hmm. whatever. But like, for instance, you're on discraft. I don't view you and we'll keep Yuli as teammates. Mm-hmm. I view you as both representing discraft. Yeah. Same thing as like, I don't view... Like LeBron, I view the people on the Lakers as his teammates. I don't view someone else signed by Nike as a teammate of his. Mm-hmm. Like they're endorsement deals. You're not playing for a team. So to me, it's not weird to see Drew, who's probably a better friend with Yuli than anyone else on the card, I would imagine. Or maybe he offered to Paul if he's a good friends with Paul and he said no. Or Yuli might have actually... Or, uh, Him has had or, a caddy. Or Drew. Uh, yeah, I think it was his dad. Uh, but I think Drew could also very well reached out to Yuli and said, Hey, you know, this course really well. You're from this area. I would love for you to be on my bag yeah. to give me some That's tips what I'm saying. And stuff. It's like, yeah. I have no problem with that. Yeah. 
it's I don't find it weird. I can see where people would. I think it because will because for so many years it has been like a team. Like I think the weird thing, thing but, will eventually happen when um when the money gets high enough to where you could potentially just like have your own caddy. Well, are we saying which part's weird? Sorry, is it weird that Drew? I don't think the manu- I don't think the manufacturers is weird. I agree. Weird. I agree. Players caddying for other players. That's what I think is weird. optics is a especially, little weird, especially if you're in the tournament. But in this event, it's a unique one because like. There's cuts each round. So the final day, there's only four of them, and there's 32 players still in town. So, like, when, for instance, um, who was it? Might have been Thomas Gilbert was caddying for Heather Young. Yep. I, again, didn't find that weird. Um, I could see where that could be looked at as weirder, but, like, as far as, like, a player caddying for another player, the Drew and... Uh, this is all I will say. But but Discraft to non-sponsored by manufacturer, I didn't find that. that weird. The only thing I will say is... I think the the part that I find weird is a caddy is one job, a touring professional is another job. They're not the same job. But right now, the caddy's not a job. Right now. Correct. So right now, it's not really a job. Correct. Once it becomes a job, sure, because then it'd be like Yuli you showing up, th- it's like but, kicking Drew Gibson's caddy but you, off the back. But you get you get my you get kind of what I'm saying is like. Well, it's also you have to remember. I hmm. guarantee you, Yuli didn't get ten percent of Drew's earnings because he carried his bag. Well, we don't know about that, Silas. I'd be shocked. Insider information? Why would Silas have the? I don't information? know. Silas always has all the information. I'd be, I'd be pretty shocked. But because, like in golf, isn't that the standards? Like ten percent of your earnings throughout the year? I don't know. I think I made like sixty dollars at one tournament. I just gave it all to my caddy. Heck yeah! There you go. Because I mean, what was Paul broke? The I mean, record. I played so bad the final round that I just felt bad for the guy. Paul broke the record that. for money earned this year at like eighty nine thousand dollars. Yeah, it'd been eight grand. So it'd have been eight grand to his caddy if you do it by that structure. Yeah, you're dying. Basically, what should be happening is like Discraft, I guess, should technically be like, hey, as part of your contract, we're gonna throw in a no. caddy. We'll pay. We'll pay no. them thirty dollars, thirty thousand to be on the road with you, or something. Yeah. But yeah, I think right now there's no caddies in disc golf. So well, I, I think it it's weird. I think the other thing too that's that's you know interesting is because like it's just not the same people all the time. I think that'd be different, right? If it's always the same people, but like some tournaments, no, there's no caddies. Some there are. It's just I I that doesn't I don't I don't care. I don't care one way or the other. But I can see how some people think the optics of it looks strange. That's what I was I was gonna say. But I don't care. No. Do whatever you want. I don't I don't. It doesn't bother me at this point I, th- I agree when like a professional caddy then it might look weird but right now like well do it's just do whatever you want like if you want if you want a caddy for someone after you got knocked out of the tournament do it yeah yeah what the heck it's legal so who cares that's also valid um all right that is gonna wrap that portion up i think we kind of nailed everything i don't really want to talk i had on here the whole ricky situation he tweeted out saying hole two is a bad hole um, we can kind of, I don't, I don't really want to rehash that. I, I'll just real quickly say, I think the, the bad thing about that hole is it's an Island. It's a lit. I think it well, it's a peninsula, right? You're, you're not taking a bridge over there. Have you been, you've been, there. I believe it's like a land bridge, which would be a peninsula. Yeah. So it's a peninsula, but, but it's an quote Island unquote, green. kind of an Island green. It seems odd that you can land on the Island and BOB. That will be the only thing I'll say about that. But if you throw better shots, you won't land OB. So the, there's a give and take of it. But as far as like someone watching it, when a disc lands on the island, I'm thinking, okay, he's safe. Yes. 
and the notion that your disc can land on the island and not be safe, I do think that's probably as far as like a viewer standpoint, that's kind of weird. So uh, that's all I'll say with that. All right, let's take some calls now. So let's just get that number up there. I will be Julius, Julius Ling Caesaring people. I kind of want a Julius Caesar t-shirt. Where Jilly, Jilly just says, don't get Julius. Hey, Jill, did you say Jilly? <laughs> no, Jilly. I said Julius. I'm pretty sure he said I, Jilly just No, 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 no. He definitely did. I want, no, 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 no. I want a Julius Caesar t-shirt. And then it just, maybe it's like a caricature of me sitting in a crown with just a thumbs down. You're sitting inside of the crown. Not a crown. A throne. Okay. I'm in a throne and I'm giving the people a thumbs down. Boom. And it says, don't get Julius Caesared. Boom. Love it. Maybe I'm eating a Caesar salad as well. Do we have a caller, Silas? With no anchovies, please. No, no anchovies. Oh, we're live with them. Hello, hello. Oh, Silas, hey. no. Now we're Hello, live. hello. <laughs> Hi. Hey, how's it going? It's going good. Who we got calling? Uh, Desi Shaw. Where are you calling from? Uh, Kansas City, Missouri. How are you doing, brother? I'm doing great. What? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. We're listening. What you got for us? Um, I was, uh, I want to talk about the Drew Gibson thing. Okay. Um, I think that, uh, like Drew Gibson signing the contract with Infinite Disc, like that's huge for him. But like him dissing, or you guys were talking like him kind of like downing the buzz. I don't think that's necessarily like what he was trying to do with that. But he was just trying to, like, say, like, he's not, like, using that as his only mid-range now. Like, he's going to have other things in his bag now that he has, like, a big contract with Infinite Discs. That's a good take. I mean, the idea that basically what you're saying is he doesn't want to be known that he's the best buzz thrower. Rather, he's the best mid-range thrower. So it doesn't matter if it's an overstable mid-range, an understable mid-range, or neutral mid-range. He is better at throwing that. Uh, speed disc than anyone. That's kind of what you're saying. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I from the Twitter. If you just read, it's the still Twitter, a little, it's a little jab with the whole well, could, no free ads. I could see it, but the, the no free he went ads. on Facebook and Reddit and commented several times that it was specifically about the buzz because Discraft wouldn't pay him to throw the buzz. Yeah. Basically, so uh, I could understand it, but it's basically. It it was what it seemed like of yeah. It's specifically that orange buzz that he throws. I would argue better than anyone else throws a buzz. I would say that's probably true, um, but it doesn't really fly like a buzz. So you know, take that for what it's worth. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it was specifically about that disc because uh, that's what he was responding. He literally texted me after I tweeted about it and said, "I don't throw the buzz anymore. It's just a mid." <laughs> I love that. <laughs> All right, brother. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, no problem. All right, take it easy. Yeah, you do the same. Anymore, it's mid range. Yeah, I thought brother. that was a, when he well, he texted me. He said, "I don't throw the buzz anymore." I was like, "Wait, what's that orange disc? I just saw it. It was a buzz." He goes, "Well, no, it's a buzz, but you know, it's a mid range." Maybe he just finally come to the dark side of where I'm saying, like, see, I that's that's not where I've said though. No, like I've said commentary shouldn't say it. Oh, we got a call. Hello, hello. Hello. How are we doing? I'm not too bad. I'm myself. Oh, we're chilling. Um, my name is Kirk. I'm from Michigan. Very, uh, very cool. So I'm about to come after Hunter a little bit. Because yeah. Yes. Give it to him. So I have I have a debate topic and it's uh basically 
last week Hunter completely flip-flopped on his player of the year. Mm, I did. And said that Ricky was his new did. player of the year based off of, what, a third-place USDGC finish? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, yes. here's the <laughs> basically what happened inside of my head is I took a stance against Brody that Eagle was the player of the year. And then you give me two weeks to simmer down. And I apparently, in those two weeks, decided without thinking that Ricky's the player of the year. I think it's still very close to call between both of them. I'm going to sit down between tonight and tomorrow's episode of Grip Locked and decide my... Oh, you're going to look at your my notes? My 100%... You're going to look at your notes? My 100% stance... Can we thumbs down Hunter? Is but, that, but, are we allowed to I mean, do that? I, I'm, I'm glad someone called me out on it because like, <laughs> I, I, te- I told Trevor immediately after, I was like, I said Ricky was the player of the year this episode, didn't I? He's like, yeah. I was like, I literally two episodes was like hard arguing that there's no way Ricky was the player of the year. It's got to be Eagle. And now here I am. So I don't really know what I think, to be honest with you. I don't know what's going on inside my head. Not a lot. I think, it's, I think it's Ricky. <laughs> I, think, I think it's Ricky. I know you, don't, you didn't ask I'd for my see, opinion, I would disagree. But. I would I would say it's got to be Eagle. I feel like when we look back at this year, despite the fact he died, I know he didn't win any majors, but neither did Ricky. I feel like I'm thinking about Eagle this year. Like, this is Eagle's, like, he's had breakout years in the past, but I feel like this year is the first year where you're like, okay, Eagle is unquestionably a top three player in the world. For there's sure. no question about it. Like, in the past, there's been questions. He's won big events, but in past years, there's been a question of whether he was firm top three. I think the, I think the good thing for the sport is – there are people now that are like in that debate. Yeah. Like, I think it's the fact it's that not a clear. Pe- thing. Yeah. The fact that people can now kind of go back and forth and, you know, Calvin, for example, like if he would have snuck in a couple wins here and there, he could have kind of put himself in the picture, uh, which I think is just going to lead to a really, really exciting next, uh, next year. The tough part, I think what flipped me um, without me knowing was I'm pretty sure Ricky won national tour points, yes. which Eagle just didn't play national tours. And I'm pretty sure Ricky won pro tour points. But my stance on Eagle was I wasn't factoring in Silver Series. Yeah, Ricky so played. Ricky played. I've, I've just got to. I've got to. You know, sit in a dark room and just sit with my thoughts and think about my thoughts and figure it out. I know people are thumbs downing me. They they want me out of here. All right. Hey, appreciate you for calling him out, man. I love that. No, no problem. I anxiously await what you decide, Hunter. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right, have a good night. See you later, guys. Bye. I love that. That's funny. That's that. It, I mean, to be fair, you knew that was going to eventually. I knew. Happen. I knew it was coming. The yeah. flip flop of so you fast. Can't, I can't flip flop that quick. It was such a quick flip flop. I and didn't it even wasn't, mean to. It wasn't an intentional flip flop. Like if Ricky would have won USDGC, it would have been understandable. Oh yeah. Of like, okay, he. Well, that's what we had said. We said it was going to be decided by who won USDGC. Yeah. And then neither of them did. And yeah. then I still flip flopped like an idiot. But here I am. We got... Hello, hello. I made it on. You're on. What's happening? Oh, we're chilling. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Who we got calling? Teddy. Teddy, what's good, brother? I'm just sitting in Wisconsin after some golf today. Oh, very nice. Hopefully it went better than me and uh, Hunter and Silas's round. Mm. Sure. Oh, (laughs) it's all learning, right? Yep, yep. Okay, so I want to bring up, is there a debate in between mids and putters? Like, is there a significant dif- difference in between a mid and a putter? Like, there is a fairway driver and a distance driver? Yeah. In, in what way? Like, you're saying distance achieved or? Just all the way around as a disc. Like, is that mid, is mids that important where a putter isn't 
can't fill a slot. I mean, in my game, yes. Yeah, I would. I would agree too. I think. I think putters. I feel a lot more comfortable like with touchy shots around the green, scrambling kind of shots, and then mids. I feel a lot more comfortable throwing like hard. Okay. So yeah, I, so, I do believe so. So it's like twerk resistant. Some are. Yeah. yeah. I will say the line between a mid and a putter is blurrier than the line. Well, not really. Because like it, it's kind of like once you start getting to like a zone and a rock, like they're both the same rim width, but like the rock's clearly a mid and the zone I would call a putter. Yeah. And then once you get to like a beast versus like a PD, they're both similar speed discs, but the beast I'd say is a distance driver and the PD I'd call a fairway. So it, I don't know. It's definitely an interesting thing, but I would definitely, I think there's a, yeah. a need for both. Appreciate you calling in, brother. Yeah, thanks for the good work, you guys. Yep, Love yep. the show. Have a good one. Every time I say the zone's zone a putter, people a putter. are going to freak out. But Zone is a putter. The zone is a putt and approach disc. It's kind of like the A-series yeah, in, it's like, uh, in Prodigy. Yeah, yeah. Like I, It's very hard for me to throw, like this is a perfect example. It's very hard for me to throw a zone 400 feet. Yeah. But I can throw a buzz 400 feet. Yeah. There you go. I think it's impossible for you to throw a zone 400 feet. Blizzard? Blizzard. Woo! That's a free blizzard right there, you're not throwing, Silas! Not, you're going to owe me two blizzards. That's a free blizzard right there, Silas! Hello, hello? Hello? Hey, how's it going? Hey, what's going on? Um, I got a quick question. I checked out the next uh, year's uh, PGA or a PDGA uh, tour, and it didn't show the winter open in Pasadena. The Do what? You know on that? The wintertime open? Yeah. So that's typically just an A tier. It hasn't been on, I don't know if it's ever been on the tour. Normally, though, players will end up like starting their tour there just because uh, like it kind of just got big over time, but it's always been an A tier. So I would keep an eye out once oh, the A tier okay. schedule is released and see if it's still there. I but, love that tournament, right, by the way. I appreciate it. Thank you very yeah. much. Thanks yeah. for calling in, brother. All right, let's keep it rolling. I will say it's probably one of the higher tier A tiers. Higher what does caliber. that even mean? What does that even mean? Like a high caliber A tier, like Memorial, very high caliber A tier. What what makes it high high caliber? The just field? like the amount of people who are like going to travel to it, like yeah. the good people. Okay, huh. we got someone, Thomas. Yeah. Hello, hello. Hey there. How are you doing? Yeah. Good. How are you? We're chilling. What do you got for us? Hey. All right. So my take is that Dynamic Disc Trilogy is the best company for disc production but the worst company in regards of professional disc golfer production no offense to chris clemens eric oakley those guys but i think they've kind of fallen short versus some of the others what do y'all think well so i think it's interesting because i think latitude 64 which is the production of west side dynamic all of that i believe it's all latitude i believe they are the biggest disc golf manufacturing facility in the world i believe i've heard that before so on that side, I could understand that, uh, your first point. I think where it falls short is, at least among pros that I've heard talk about Dynamic, uh, any of them that have left Dynamic talk about, the or like Trilogy in general, talk about their plastic beating in too quickly. So like a mold that they love getting too flippy fast, which is why you see so many of them throwing felons and forcers and like that's it. When they might love the flight of a Raider mm. to begin with, they can't keep it. So I think that's partially the issue is the top tier players. It might take a bigger contract to get them to go 
two trilogy. It's a similar thing for MVP. Before James Conrad, MVP had an unfair stigma around him that it was going to take a very large contract to get a top-tier player to go there. I think that's what we're seeing with Dynamic and why they can't land top players right now. Because basically, once Ricky left Latitude, they have some very solid European players, but like you said, the the like players on the Pro Tour right now that are sponsored by Trilogy just aren't really producing uh, and compared to years past. So I think, in my head, I think that's why, but I could be way off. Thanks for, thanks for calling in, brother. Thanks. Take it easy. All right, all right. I'm not Julius Caesaring anyone yet because I don't think anyone. I, I think you know if we can move. If we the, can, if we can get the call, if like we if, can move the conversation along. Let's not. I mean, there's no reason off with their heads. You know, if we can, you know, get them out of the arena. Like we don't need a. You know, come on now. I'm not a. I'm not a tyrant. Uh, tyrannical king. I'm not a tyrannical king. Hello, hello. Hello. How are you today? Oh, we're doing good. How are you? Not doing too bad. Who we I got Randy calling? From Randy from Michigan. Randy, what's good, brother? A lot of Michigan people I, today. My hot take is that the Disc Golf Pro Tour viewership model is actually backwards than what it should be. Um, okay. My take is that they should, be, they should be airing the first round coverage because as TDs and film coverage crews, we actually establish like, our feature cards. So those are usually like the stack cards anyway. So like, if you want somebody to view the tournament or follow the the follow the subscription, pay for it, rounds two and three or four, you should be filming round one and getting the hook in early. Okay, interesting. So you're saying that the first round should be the free round. Free round. Correct. Interesting. So I know. All I can go off is the numbers that um, they told, or I guess they told people or whatever of when the one time I was on the feature card at Waco of how when they did that, you know, they were able to make me on the feature card with Paul, Kale, and I believe it was Drew Gibson actually at Waco um, that the amount of people that subscribed to watch that round, like heavily, like the number was way higher than they thought. So, I think their model is like we can do these really awesome feature rounds the first day. And if you want to see them live, you have to pay. Um, you do bring up an interesting point, which I actually didn't think about, like switching it to where the first day is live and you get people like suckered into like, oh man, I got to see what's going on. And then the rest is one thing I think would be really cool to do is I think every day should have some sort of live free whether it's 15 minutes or 30 minutes and then it cuts over. So I don't that go ahead. That's also a good take. My, my only thought with like the final round and why I think it should be the first round is that if you look at majority of the tournament and I'm not saying every tournament, um, there's usually more hot topic names on the card. It's not always a Ricky, a Calvin, a Paul, a Chris Dickerson, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. There's always a couple of random people in here that you, may or may not want to watch like, and no disrespect to anybody, but like you really wouldn't want to see a 950 rated pro or a couple of them competing for the title. You know what I mean? As the free round, I would rather watch the, the stacked round one card. Well, I think their, so, their model also, right now, at least how I understand it, cause I've, I've thought about this before. Um, so if you go the first round free, you're not guaranteed the best, most entertaining golf. 
the first round sure. because you might have a round where it let's say it's Paul, Ricky, Calvin, Eagle. You might have a round. I'm sure this has probably never happened, but there might be a round where all four of them are off and none of them are on the lead card. But the final day, you're going to see that all the players in contention. Playing well. And so then their idea is that it's going to make people want to buy the live coverage to see the next week's tournament. Mm. So I think their idea is it's kind of like, where do you hook people? Do you hook people with a potentially not entertaining round or the round that's most likely to be entertaining and have the best players that are playing the best that tournament? So then you don't see Ricky blow up or Paul blow up round one. You see Ricky or Paul in contention round four. I also don't think we're that far off from like actually just free live coverage. Where like the advertising money's big enough? I, I don't think we're that far off. I don't think they're ever going that way. Really? Mm-hmm. You think they're going to stick with the pay, paper, like pay-per-view model for everything? I do. Interesting. Okay. I just see it that like if, if players want to see the finish to a tournament, if they want to see the cherry on top, the cream of the crop, that that should be the paid round. Because then, then you can actually like check disc and say, oh, well, final round day, now it's Paul, Chris Dickerson, you know, Brody Smith and Nathan Queen. And you're like, I want to watch that card. I'm going to go pay for it. Or you can give them that stack round. Like, I just look at that, that from that standpoint that like, if you see it on UDIS, like you can watch this card and you have to pay for it. You might actually pay for it. But if you watch the car, or UDIS and you have two guys you don't know, you're hit or miss. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting point. It's an interesting point. And um, it's just a question of like what would convert more. Yeah. And Joseph, thanks for the $5. He just said, I agree with the caller. I think a lot of people only watch the final round. Why should they get the goods for free? Do first two free. Um, do the first two rounds for free, basically. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I think, I think too, they're, they're really, the Pro Tour is very uh, open to trying new things as well. Mm-hmm. Now they are maybe a little slow. As far as like getting to there, getting to them, I think they're plant. They're like methodical by intention. Yes, they're not slow because they're lazy or anything like that. They're slow because they don't want to do anything that's gonna like. They don't want to make a drastic jump and hurt the sport. Yeah, they want to make sure what they're doing is good for the sport. So I think what you said, it'll be interesting to see if maybe next year, maybe one event they tweak because that these events is really what's going to be interesting, right? Like, or not interesting, but these these events are going to be kind of like, hey, let's see if we do free the first day, how that looks to mm-hmm. our subscriber numbers. And if we do free the last day, let's see how that looks. So um, we'll I see. I, would, I guess I would more look at the, the change in in them. Like if you air the first tournament with the first round, yep. the increase in subscriptions you're going to get versus because like there's always going to be the hunters that are always going to buy the coverage and that's not, no disrespect to them, but you should look at what the difference in the change is. Cause yes. otherwise you're looking at like who's buying it just before the tournament, just to watch all three. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Yeah. Good call. All man. Right. Thank you, you for calling doing in. Great. Have a good night. All right. Take it easy, brother. Yeah. I mean, they can also do things too about like, uh, so, you know, subscriptions based off of players. Well, like, the one thing I'm confused you know, is if, if his argument was more people want to watch that first round of a stacked card, then wouldn't that be the one you want behind a paywall if you have a paywall, if more people want to watch it? I think he was just talking about like getting people like invested into the tournament early. So they're already invested. And then, because I think right now what it is, is like you might have some people being like, oh, I'll just wait to watch it for free the final day. 
and they won't buy a subscription because they they always just watch the final day for free. Mm-hmm. And maybe they do post production or something the first couple days. Yeah. Um, where maybe if you do live free the first day, you get people jumping in and then boom. Brody, can you talk to the YouTube money from viewers on a live video? Can you talk to the YouTube money? I think he's saying like the live stream when it's on YouTube, Disc Golf Network, like how much money that brings in. I mean, 10,000. It's impossible to know. It's impossible to know because you can't, we don't get to, we get to see like 10,000 viewers, 15,000 viewers. We don't know how many concurrent viewers there are. Um, So it's, it's really tough to know, but I will say like the money isn't that great. Like I wouldn't be surprised if ten thousand over a course of a four hour live stream is not that much. Are right, we got another one, Silas? Hey, hello. Hey, what's going on? Hey guys, this is Mike. How you doing? Oh, we're doing good, man. How you doing? Good. So I am gonna tell you guys that you are both wrong on the best player this year. Mm. Um and I have nothing against the player I'm gonna say, but I didn't wanna have to say this, but it's the honest answer. Best player this year was Paul McBeth. And it's not close. Why Why do you think Paul's the best player this year? So, and can you tell me how many tournaments Ricky won in 2018? No. Okay. So we can agree that what matters the most when you consider a year? Okay. So I can already tell where you're going. Because you're going to say USDGC, Paul's third. It's a legacy year for him, right? Majors, I think he's money, money won. Yeah, I think he's gonna say. Well, the money, money one, I I don't think you can use as a stat because money, it, the purse increased. If if Paul hadn't won a decent amount at the disc golf finale, then Ricky would have broke it. Eagle would have broke it. Calvin, money was just the, the purses are going to increase. That's going to get broke every year. The major side, sure. I can understand the argument, but we're not when you when you're looking at player of the year, you can't take in the story of the year, right? Because I agree, okay. like James Conrad mm-hmm. being winning worlds, like. You could be like, oh my word, that has to put him in contention for player of the year. But the rest of his season just doesn't line up. Ricky, I believe, had seven, like five to seven elite series wins this year, something like that. And Eagle was Ricky up there had, as well. Great. Yeah. So Paul had three wins. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like, let's just call them elites. Mm-hmm. Um, Ricky had four. Rick, or Eagle had four. Ricky had five. So they're all within two of each other. Um, let's look at majors. So Eagle and Ricky, seventh and eighth in worlds. Paul second, one shot away. I know we won't really, well, followers will remember how close he was to winning it, but mm-hmm. second place. So obviously a, a big gap there. And then USDGC, Eagle again, lackluster ninth, Ricky decent third, Paul, we obviously know one. And I know it's not a major, but when you think of one of the biggest tournaments of the year, we're going to think about the tour championship. Eagle didn't play, obviously. Ricky, no show. And Paul getting in the top four. So to me, we talk about the top three terms of the year, Paul going first, second, third. The other two guys doing basically nothing other than Ricky's sec- third place in USDGC. Like if I, if I just put in front of you, hey, five years from now, hey, look, Paul got second, first, and third in this event. You got an eighth, ninth in DNF, and Ricky got seventh, third, and didn't finish. You're going to say Paul had the better year. Well, I, but I would say that the, out of those tournaments, like if, if that's the only thing we're looking at for sure. But as far as like the entire year goes, if you look at all the tournaments, I mean, mm-hmm. again, the way the way the system currently is set up is an elite series win is equal to an elite series win. So if you win Ledgestone that everyone knows have has a way bigger payout than, say, like uh, the, the Des Moines Challenge. Mm-hmm. Those though the the money doesn't matter there. It they both at the end of the day are an elite series win. 
Um, and I think too, like the elite series thing, I think eventually that'll probably go away and it'll just be a disc golf pro tour win. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't really understand the elite series was because of the PDGA national tour and the pro tour. I think that actually terminology go away. So like at the end of the year, you'll literally just see like this guy has five tour wins. This guy has seven tour wins. This guy has so do you 12 think, top 10. Do you think if we asked Rick, do you think if we asked Rick your Eagle, would you rather have the year you had or have the real or win USDGC? What would they say? Well, see, that's again, I think that doesn't factor into player of the year because Ricky needs USDGC to become a Mount Rushmore player, like to become one of the best players of all time. Eagle needs mm-hmm. a major besides Kona Piste so that people can stop saying Kona Piste is not a major. I'm calling Trevor out there because it was a major. But, but, I think but that, they need but that I think for their that career. to show you how much more important majors are than other tournaments. I agree with and that. And when Ricky only won, when Ricky only won two more events than Paul did, relatively comparable, and Paul and Ricky pretty much, other than, I mean, Ricky won two more. Based, in terms of like average finishes, Paul and him were pretty much even with like worst finishes and stuff, like the worst they had all year. So you know you're saying that it's super important for Ricky to have a major well that's there's a reason for that because majors are that much more important well i think it's so super for important me, for Ricky's career so yeah my here's yeah. the other thing is i am the biggest paul fan you'll find but i'm still going to say not. that that's the thing i'm <laughs> still going to say that eagle and ricky i think had a better season overall cuz eagle you also have to factor in not a lot but he didn't play any national tours so that makes eagle's argument like worse for eagle because like you know, he could have possibly snuck on one or two more elite series wins if he would have like went to a few more national tours. But like at the end of the day, I think the biggest thing that matters is wins. So to me, Paul coming in second at worlds, he lost worlds. Same as Ricky, same as Eagle. Paul winning USDGC puts him into the conversation. I agree with that because I think before USDGC, Paul wasn't in the conversation, but the only person that gets into a conversation from the Pro Tour Championship to me is Nathan Queen, which he's not in the conversation, but he had a win there. So I'm (laughs) saying the win is all that matters to me on that (laughs) aspect. And then I want to look at like top tens and like how much someone finished out on the other side, but I'm not comparing that to like, well, when a major, he came in second and Ricky came in seventh. That doesn't matter anything to me because they both lost. That makes sense. I think for me, like, I'll, I'll just keep, I'm going to be repeating myself to keep going, but I will just say um, they, the seasons were close enough, in my opinion, that winning a major is, that, is more important because if we just expanded this from one year to a career, if, if Eagle or Ricky win more tournaments than Paul does, but Paul wins more majors, who had a better career? Answers Paul. So if we put that down into a smaller perspective, into a season, if it's that close, only a couple tournament different, and the majors involved, I think you have to give the edge to the major. But that's all I have to say. Thanks, guys. Appreciate yeah, the conversation. Yeah, appreciate it. Have a good one. I will say, too, like I think winning USDGC is actually, if I if I take a seat back and, and say this as like a sports person and not a disc golfer, to me, it sounds, it feels like USDGC is a more meaningful win than your, Worlds. Your first one. Because someone made this comment, and I agree with them. Uh, he said Macbeth would probably rather have Conrad's season because it gets another World title. Well, hold on, though. Hold on, hold on. Yes. So. I mean, I think there is a lot of people, because of what Disc Golf thinks of the World Championship and how, yes, it, like I'm sure Eagle and Ricky would almost throw away all their other wins and just take a world championship. Uh, they probably would do that. Yeah, because that's sound, a legacy thing. And that also changes a lot of stuff. But if you just look at Worlds and USDGC and look at the difficulty of winning one versus the other, like USDGC, everyone that's in that field qualified 
to be there Mm -hmm. where worlds, you have a lot of people that are showing up and have no chance of winning. Yeah. So as far as like, if you're just looking at it, just as as like what major tough is if I zoom out and we go like a 10 year span, we will probably remember this year for Paul and Conrad more than we will for Ricky and Eagle because they're the major winners. Yep. But we're talking player of the year. So we have to look at it in a year's perspective. For sure. Which then it, it minimizes the importance of majors in my eyes for the year because we're just looking at the year. So to me, that's why Paul is in the conversation a heck of a lot more than he was a month ago. Mm-hmm. But I still think the conversation is between Ricky and Eagle because if you look at their year's resume, there are many tournaments where we walked in and it was like Eagle's untouchable right now. And then flip the script a month later, Ricky's untouchable right now. Let me, uh, and that's just what was going on. Let this me year. quickly say this. Simon's in the chat right now. He said, our majors aren't really majors though. That's why Eagle and Ricky had a better year. That kind of goes to my point of why I think USDGC is actually, if you look at it, is a more meaningful win in the sense of who you're beating. Yeah. Because everyone had to qualify. There's some sort of way of why it's 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 more special than Worlds, where Worlds is literally just anyone else. Like you could have, could you have, could you have signed up? Barely, but yes, you could have signed up. So like literally anyone, as long as you know, there's a wait list. There's like there's all sorts of things that just doesn't make Worlds really this. It's all this other fabricated stuff around that makes Worlds what it is. The title is what makes Worlds what it is. There is no, we bring in players from yes, Japan, correct. Australia, Europe, and this is a huge it's international every other tournament. Year it's every other, all this stuff. It's the best 150 players in the world. Yeah. USDGC, that's what I think. Okay, shout out to Marcos real quick. Dropped a $20 on us. He said, I think that there needs to be tournaments that they have to play in. No question asked to be name players of the year there is too much of this oh well he wasn't here or he won this tournament but wasn't at this one i don't think you can really force players to do stuff but i get what he's saying of like well, that's your, what I'm your saying. take it's, it's eagle, hurting eagles it's hurting my take wasn't you, it, it helps yeah you can't you can't I'm just give, saying it's hurting eagles resume that he wasn't at national correct. tours because he you, couldn't have won a tournament he wasn't at and you can't say oh eagle played 10 tournaments and won seven of them and Ricky played 30 of them and won 10. You can't penalize Ricky. You can't Ricky. penalize Ricky for playing tournaments. Yeah. Mike dropped a $10, said, thanks for taking my call. I may have exaggerated saying it's clo- not close. Um, I mean, it's fun, man. I'll tell you this much. Like, this is this is one of the best things in sports is like, you know, having tons of different people have different opinions on who's the best team, who's the best player, what's the best tournament. And uh, I think we're just getting started, which is the cool thing. Uh, we got another one, Silas here. Potentially, hello, 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 hello. How are you doing? Just fine. Big shout out to Ultimate uh, and the general frisbee population, man. Uh, hey, Ultimate okay. Nice. I got introduced to the frisbee flight, and if you haven't thrown an Ultimate and you play disc golf, you better go back and throw an Ultimate to realize the angles you need to put a disc on to make it fly correctly. <laughs> I will say though. If you're trying to get good at disc golf, don't try to learn how to throw an ultimate disc. <laughs> no, there's a difference in that, though, because there are those uh, free-form shots that you have that are like patent-pending forehands yep. and highs with a really understable putter that comes in great. People I've never seen, I don't see a lot of people throwing like really great forehand, right-handed shots like you could with an ultimate. Yep. And it, it needs to be more in the sport. It definitely, it definitely helps those, for your scrambling, for sure. No, it's a, it's a really fun thing to be a part of. It's like 
understanding the flight of an ultimate and understanding the flight of a disc. Heck yeah. That's two different things. Like you can't put all of your energy from the last seven days of a really shitty work week into a backhand of an ultimate. It's going to turn into a backhand roller, but you can do it into a fast speed driver. It's my biggest frustration relief in all of my life is disc golf. I can just backhand the shit out of anybody <laughs> uh, with a disc. Um, but the whole reason that I called was to the Haley King, Adam Hammis breakdown of like, I've been there in a couple of tournaments. I'm not a great player played in a bunch of amateur events, much amateur worlds, one pro event that I injured myself in, which I totally regret. Um, is that like, where does that happen in a player's mind where they just shut down and they're no longer a part of the conversation? Like for me, if I was in that player's spot, I'd be throwing uh, Jeremy Colling pterodactyl throws or something. But both of them, Haley King and Adam Hammis, both seem to just shut down and not care anymore. Like on that stage, I would care more than anybody else ever. Well, like, it's a- that, this would be the greatest time for me to be like, hey, watch this. It's a tough one because this these breakdowns of Haley King and Adam Hammis are a lot different than say the Paige Pierce one the but week they before. They both kind of have the same mentalities. Well, right? I, they both like stop. When they realize they're going to lose, they just stop caring. I wouldn't say I, that's I always the, the case for them too, but I would I say I don't think Adam did though. This this case is unique because this case is unique because they had already made it and so like once they were out of it they were guaranteed eight grand because they were the final four. They weren't dropping all the way down to like 10th, 12th, 15th place. And so at it's that like, point I'd be practicing lefty, having some fun with it. But you're also going to be on ESPN too. So you, you can't just, you can't oh, just, uh, three. I, th- I think we're going to let you go, brother. Thank you for calling in. Yeah, I think I, <laughs> I, I don't know where that was going to go, but I'll say this. I, I, watched the, I watched the entire round live. Adam didn't quit. Um, if anything, he, gets, he puts himself in a really weird spot because uh, he, he had a couple bad breaks, bad throws early on. Everyone else was playing well. This is a tournament that – this is a course that you're not going to be able to make up shots, mm-hmm. strokes. So the fact that everyone else was playing well and he wasn't, yeah. By hole seven or eight, he was out of it. He, he had. Well, no that's ch- what I'm saying. Is like once no you're chance. out of it in this tournament, you're not playing for anything else anymore. Correct. So and that's so, what like you just throw your shots. I don't. Think the notion throw of like throw, or, yeah, the notion of like I'm going to try to do something well, crazy and stuff. Is, like <laughs> I think that would have. I think that would have been a really bad look if yeah. if he had done. What that. I'm confused is, wouldn't that be more of a sign of giving up than what either Correct. Adam or Haley did? Which was I didn't watch. Playing. I didn't watch Haley, so I didn't really get to see if she really did just shut it down. I Adam. Mean, Adam was still fighting like adam i think hole 18 he he threw a forehand which is also the same type of throw that i believe he threw either the day before the day before or two days before he probably was trying to ace it that's all fine but like well i think both of them you can't be throwing like no look scubers and like crazy shots like that like you need to he they did the right thing they played quick that's what i'm saying they got out of the way and they went about their Haley, day. you could say, like, blew up or shut down, but really it wasn't either of those. It was just that, like, once she knew she was out of it, she was doing the same thing like Adam did where you just played because you were there to play and then just kind of got out of the way. What so happens you just if- threw your shot. It might have been an awful shot, sure, but it's not you're giving up. It's because, like, I guess in a way what- you're giving up, but it's because you only have one round to catch the leader who's 13 strokes ahead of you right now, and it's like, 
I'm not going to like give up, but like I'm going to throw my shot quickly and not worry too much about the result because I'm just here to go through the routine right now. What a, um, what was I going to say? What do you think or what do team sports do when this happens, right? When they're in a position, football, basketball, soccer, whatever it may be, when they're in a position where there comes a time where you know we're not going to win this game. What mm-hmm. happens? You they the take out, in. yeah, they take out the starters and they put the subs in. Unfortunately, we play a sport where it's an individual sport, and you have to, st- you know, finish the, you know, what Adam could have easily done. Whole nine, act like he got hurt. DNF, like I have, I'm out. He's gonna still get paid. Right? And that was the other side of Haley King. Like, she was dealing with a back injury. They, they could have done that. Times. They easily could have done that. Well, she just played through it. I think. It might have been partially because, like, they might have been worried of, like, if I DNF, is it going to look bad that I still get this check? But no, it would have not. I'm saying I'm not saying they should have done that. No, it would have been a bad look. But I'm, I'm saying she but was. They, that's the on the commentator table. constantly talked about how she was actually like dealing with something in her back. Gotcha. To where like she could have just DNF, I guess. But then the questions like would start coming up of like, oh, did you just DNF because of whatever? If you play through it. Yeah, in that and, situation, and the and the I believe Adam threw like nine holes was five over. Is that what it was? Five Some, or six. He he basically played the majority of the round even par. Yeah, like he was five or six over, and so like people are like, oh, he could have battled back. Like I don't think Adam was like, I'm just gonna mess whatever. Like I'm sure he was like, oh, if I birdie out, who knows what could happen. The problem was he wasn't getting birdies. Yeah, he was and running every, out of holes to birdie and out. everyone else was getting birdies. So there comes a time and point where it's like, okay, eventually, like, I'm sure he knew, all right, I have no chance of winning. So um, I don't think he gave up. That's what I'm just saying. In this situation, in this scenario, it's a lot different than a yeah. USDGC or something where you're still battling for We're keeping in the top 20. You're, yeah. You've made it. You already made eight grand by walking on the course that day. Someone was going to come in last and it's like, well... And also, it's one of those things, too. But like, if he's four or five down, the problem is, like, you now are p- pressing. It's the whole reason why Drew and Paul didn't birdie hole 17. Because they were trying to go for the eagle. Well, no, Drew did birdie it. I, b- I believe Drew did birdie it. Paul didn't birdie it. Neither did. I think Drew birdied it. I think Paul bogeyed it or parted it. I don't know. Doesn't matter. They didn't. They didn't. They were going for the eagle. They were going aggressive, and that's just the nature of the game. And that's also why I also. That's why, I think when you look at stuff and like, oh well, well Paul got second and Ricky got seventh the tournament, or this guy got third and this guy got tenth this tournament, that doesn't really mean that much because when you know that person might have been in fifth place and the last three or four holes really making a charge, playing super aggressive to try to win. And ended up falling out of placements because they're trying to win. So, all right, let's let's take another call, and then we might shut this down because Hunter's about to fall asleep. Nah. <laughs> we had a long day. If you guys don't know, we we just dropped those nuke SSs and we were grinding the last two days, and then we got absolutely destroyed on New London. Okay, so hello, hello, hello. How you doing? Doing fine. This is Mike from Chicago Land. Um, before I get to my topic, I wanted to say it was, it was a pleasure to meet you and to watch you play at the Colossus of the Canyons. Oh, very nice. Um, Love that tournament. Hopefully I'll be back yeah, next year. Um, my debate topic is hole two on this tournament to me was the perfect example of why we need to make penalties and disc off more like golf where you have uh, out of bounds is stroke and distance. So you have a, it's really a penalty if you go out of bounds right now. It's not. And I mean, it costs 
people big big strokes in this hole, and that's why I think we need to do that. Are you talking about clash? No, I mean in general. So He's if you go out of bounds, island hole. Where are you talking do, about the retee? I'll do it this, this, the tournament this weekend, where you had the island hole. Oh, where if you didn't make the island, you had a retee. Right, but or the idea is that yeah. judge knows how how important staying in bounds is. Where now, if you say if you go out of bounds, it's stroke and distance, and you reshoot it. And then people are going to be much more careful about that. They're not going to throw, you know, well, if I out of bounds, I take a stroke, but I'm still, you know, within 50 feet or even a hundred feet. Yeah. I like, I, I love the, it's a two stroke penalty essentially. Yeah. I love the drop zone there. Um, the hole is 340 feet, I believe through a pretty narrow gap. And then the drop zone, uh, which looked like a backhand throw. And then the drop zone looked like you could basically throw backhand or forehand, and it was probably 250, judging from uh, the throw I saw Ricky throw um, his upshot with. So I, I love holes like that to where uh, in that scenario, you don't bail a player out for going OB. Like if you go OB, you still have to somehow execute the shot. If the shot's a little easier, that's fine, but you still have to execute the shot. So yeah, I, I was definitely a fan of the drop zone there. Um, just not a fan of being able to land on the island, but still somehow be uh, out of bounds. Yeah, that was bad. But I just meant the idea of having a stroke in distance for penalties if you're yeah. out of bounds. Yeah. So, I, I think that's so a great idea once there's like a tour card or something implemented to where people have to qualify to be on tour. Because if you put if you go back to Ledgestone years ago, there were players. I think a guy took a thirty on a hole mainly because he just refused to lay up and at one point was just literally sacrificing disc. But if you put a 900 rated player on a very hard hole, that's also stroke and distance. Yeah. He's going to cause backups. So like if you go to Northwoods black and you got a stroke and distance on this like super hard hole, plus a like 900, 910 rated player, that's going to be a nightmare. So I think once that there's regulations on who can be on tour and it's only the best of the best, then you can start looking at things like that. Cause I agree you know, challenge-wise, entertainment-wise, stuff like that, win-win-win across the board until you get to, like, the players who are going off at 8 in the morning and you're going to make the rest of the day super slow. Yeah. Hey, appreciate okay. you calling just, in, brother. Just a quickie was also oh. kind of both of you on the – I happened to be at the Clash my first time ever doing U-Disc, and I was a volunteer, and I think that it's important, and we did it in our cards, was that at the, at the next tee, I went through and said, uh, you know, Gavin three, you know, you four, and just real quick, it takes 10 seconds and they're done. But that way you get this, you're guaranteed to get the score right. I think that's, I think that's a good thing to do. You know, I know you disagree with that, Brody, but I think that's important. I fully agree with that statement. I think that's exactly what should be going on. Yeah. Okay. Well, I appreciate taking my call. Yeah. Thank you so much. Have a good one. I think the other thing too with the the guy taking a thirty, I think the thing that will eliminate that as you well. You can find a video of it online. I think I might watch that. Tonight the guy, if I you get, I think that. you find it. He had like a, I want to say it was a Zuka card. If you or find something. it, if you find uh, if it, I find it, it, I'll send it to, it to me, you. Please. He was just like, I'm trying to remember exactly what was going on, but he was just chucking discs. I think he got penalized on top of it for like intentionally like miss gross misplay or something like that. But he just it might have been even a putt at Ledgestone. There was something where like he just kept like chucking discs and they just kept going OB. So I think, I think it's pretty awful. <laughs> I think you would see less of that as well. If there was this, um, like tour situation, tour card of where getting these points at these tournaments actually mattered 
Because right now, if you go, if you become dead last in a tournament mm-hmm. versus one out of cash, nothing changes. You can still sign up for the next tournament, the next tournament right? Yeah. But if you're fighting for like tour points to potentially get your card for the next season, you're not going to sit there and say, I'm going to make a point that I think this OB on this whole stupid and throw your whole bag out of bounds because you're like, I need to try need to get these, these points. points. Yeah. yeah. All right. We'll do one more call. One more call size. Give it to us. Give it to us. Hello. Hello. Hey, how's it going? We're doing good. How are you? I'm good. This is Cameron from Texas. How are you doing, man? I'm all right. How are you guys doing? Oh, we're chilling tonight. All right. So my debate topic, and I just wanted to uh, preface this. Y'all are a debate podcast, not a strictly disc golf podcast, correct? Yeah. I Can I, can I elaborate on that real quick? Yes. This was not a setup call by any means. We have never met this man. No. But I will say thank you for reminding me. Um, with disc, with the disc golf season kind of uh, coming to an end, right? There's not going to be as much to talk about. Initially, when we started this, we really wanted to have it kind of open for anything. Uh, but it was clear that the the amount of people watching this are all very heavily involved in the disc golf scene, which is fine. But moving forward, I think we're going to try this out next week. I will have some topics that aren't disc golf related. Mm. And we also will be encouraging people to call in with non-disc golf related topics as well. Um, so, yeah, not a plan to call. Not a plan to call. Silas, you, didn't, you don't know this person? <laughs> not a plan to call. All right. Thank you for reminding me, though. Absolutely. So uh, my topic is, and uh, I bring this up because y'all had mentioned it last week about ties and overtimes and all that. My topic is that I believe that uh, the, that hockey, the NHL, has the best overtime setup. And I'd like to get y'all's opinions on what y'all think, uh, which sport has the best overtime Can you setup. confirm their over? Can you, like, tell us what their overtime setup is? Just so. Okay, so. Regular season, uh, not during the playoffs. After a full three periods of hockey has been played, they go to uh, three on three. Normal play is uh, five on five. Three on three, and then there's a goal, a goalie for five minutes. Okay. And uh, somebody in the chat correct me if I'm wrong too. And then after that, they go to a shootout, which is basically penalty shot. Like it works just how penalty shots work in soccer, as far as. Uh, the scoring system goes, I believe. Okay. Um, I'll tell you the one that I like the least is the NFLs. I don't like the NFL because like one coin flip in the, like if you're, if especially like if you watched Monday night football last night, for example, if that game was going to go, if that game ended up going into overtime, right? So the bills like this is, this is what I truly believe the bills went for it. Did you watch the game or no? You didn't watch I it. watched. Okay. It. I watched uh, the like first. Half I was I was following it on uh, on just fantasy. Okay. Like, so for those that didn't watch the game, it was a back and forth game. Neither defense really could make a stop, and the Bills uh, were driving. They got down to the towards the goal line, and they went for it on fourth down with the notion of like, hey, if we score a touchdown, the game's going to be over. We're going to win. When they could have on fourth down kicked a field goal and it would have gone to overtime. I think you're seeing a lot of heavily uh i think you're seeing a lot of teams that that offense is 
you know, their, their greater suit. They're going for it on fourth down to try to win the game when they have the ball because overtime in the NFL is terrible. You flip a coin. If you get the wrong call, the other team calls for the ball. If they drive it down and score a touchdown, you don't have – It's over, yeah. It's over. I think college football, I would say – I love college football overtime. I don't – maybe some people will disagree with me. I think college football overtime is pretty fun. Mm-hmm. I think – I would agree. I feel like – I think it's vastly over – uh, I think it's vastly improved than how when they changed it compared to how it was when the two point uh, thing well, is great too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like soccer, unless it's changed, soccer regular season is the one I hate the most. Oh, where they just play like another. Draw. They just play like another what thirty minutes, something like that, minutes it's like or something. Thirty minutes and then, golden goal? but it can still. No, it's not golden goal. Golden goal is like sudden death, right? Where if you score, it's over. Oh, that's right. It's not. They just play the full period. They just play an extra. But then if it ends in a tie, it's over in regular season. That I believe. That could be true. Yeah. I, hate any, I hate any sporting event that it can end in a tie. Well, the NFL can end in a tie. I, so I hate it immediately. <laughs> like that's without a doubt. That's my biggest pet peeve. Hockey, I would say. This is the only thing I'll say with you about hockey. I think it's kind of weird that you practice it switches it to three. Yeah, three. you practice five on five, right, with a goalie, and then for an overtime, all of a sudden you're in a three on three situation. I think that's a little strange, but as a fan perspective, it's probably really exciting because there's a lot more shots. There's a lot oh, more. There's no extra exactly. time in regular season so, soccer, so it's even worse. It's even worse than I thought. So it's just over. It's regular a tie. season soccer is just over in a tie. So that's that's the worst. It's not even there. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, how do people enjoy that sport? That's annoying. <laughs> Imagine rooting for a team so hard, it's 1-1, you go into this little extra time after 90 minutes for five minutes, and the game's over, and you just... No, there's no extra time. Sorry, you lost You lost to Barcelona, Real Madrid, it's over, tied, all tied up. Like, I'm riding in the streets after that. You can't, no. We gotta go to overtime, we gotta have a winner. You can't play sports and just end in a tie. Gosh. Guaranteed. Guaranteed the worst feeling in soccer, too, is when they play the whole 90 minutes. One team scored in the first three minutes, and then they play the whole rest of the game, and then the opposing team scores in the last minute or so of time, and then it ends in a tie. That would be the absolute worst feeling <laughs> yeah. in the world. That's like that. I couldn't. I could not watch soccer for that very reason. And for that reason, I'm out. That, that reason, I'm out. The World Cup, though. Don't sleep on the World Cup. No, the World Cup's great. You, you can't tie in the World, world Cup. World Cup's fantastic. Uh, I think in, pre- you, in preliminaries. I think you actually can tie in group play. In preliminaries, that's like the get, earlier stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're not gonna have the World Cup champion be like, "We're sharing the trophy." I know Brazil and <laughs> England tied, so they're just sharing well, it. Probably, no. it'd, be, it'd probably be Brazil and Germany. Brazil and Germany, or freaking Netherlands. They had uh, what was his name? My brother used to be a big, big Netherlands fan. Dude, Doesn't no, matter. Netherlands have been dirty. All right, hey, we hey we appreciate the call. Not a plant, not a plant. Thank you so much for calling in. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, guys. Love the show. All right, take a good one. I mean, that was can we? I mean, that was that was perfect. Because <laughs> we definitely want to, uh, we definitely want to be able to expand this podcast uh, to more than just disc golf. We'll obviously still talk about the um, the hot topics that are going on and, and give you kind of our takes and and kind of go back and forth there. But but there was a point today where we were talking about breakfast food. And Brody said that Waffle House is the best breakfast. No, 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 no. Silas, I didn't say that. Silas, I did not say best. You asked me. That's what I heard. That's what I heard. You asked me what are good breakfast restaurants. Like, where are good places to get Waffle House? Or 
Where are good places? I did to get, not say what are good places to get Waffle House. Where are good places to get food for breakfast? And I said Waffle House is up there. That's all I said. Yeah, but if that's the first thing you say when I say breakfast, and you go, "Well, Waffle House got to be up there," then that's like your best one, guaranteed. I, I said Crackle Barrel. Crackle Barrel. You don't even know how to pronounce it. Cracker. Cracker Barrel. <laughs> crackle. I think Crackle is a better name. Cracker Barrel. That's the, can, sure. Cracker Barrel can be Cracker Barrel. What is it? A barrel full of crackers. That's not good. Doesn't matter. You know what there is. You know what is good. They're breakfast. It's a lot better than Waffle House. Also, never knew this. You get free biscuits there. Yes, you didn't know that. No. And cornbread. You can ask for cornbread instead. I don't like cornbread in the morning. It depends on what. You, it depends on what you're eating. I don't it, like cornbread in the morning. When did I say? So we're going in the you a mic. Silas has a mic. He doesn't use it. I have a mic. He's had a mic this whole time. You had a mic this whole time? I'll use it now. Oh, my. Well, yeah, the show's going to be over in 10 minutes. I'm just saying. We'll we'll have to bring that debate up later. I also feel like we would disagree on, like, favorite condiments. Well, ranch, I I got slandered on Twitter. Are you a ranch guy? From Kelsey talking about, I don't even know what it was, but I basically just said that I love, okay, first off, grilled cheese, tomato soup, OP. Okay, that is the best combo with yes, grilled cheese. 100%. Okay, secondary to that is probably ketchup. Uh, also, okay? 100%. That's, that's fair. That's, yeah. But like right below ketchup is ranch. Right below ketchup I've is never, ranch. I can't, I can't diss it because I've never had it, but I'm not a ranch guy. The only thing I dip in ranch is if there's no other sauce available, I'll use ranch or pizza. I will dip my pizza in ranch. I'm not a ranch. I thought you were guy. about to say you would deep dip your grilled cheese in pizza. No. What is but um, if I could do that, I would. What is what is ranch made of? Because I don't think I like it. Uh buttermilk and No, 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 no. Well, I mean it's called buttermilk ranch. So well, yeah, but that's not that's not the ingredient I'm talking about. The ingredient that makes mayonnaise. Is it just mayonnaise? I love mayonnaise. It starts with mayonnaise and you add like it's a lot of mayonnaise. Is it just okay? So maybe that's why I like it so much. I thought I didn't like. I thought I liked ranch, but I didn't like what made ranch. I don't. Maybe I could be wrong. I don't like the people. Mayonnaise, sour cream, buttermilk. That I love all those. That sounds gross. I love all them together. Put them all together. Yeah, it's ranch. It's absolutely delicious. I don't. I don't mind ranch, but reading that makes me want to. Should we try to make? Should we try to see who can make the best homemade ranch? No. Because I don't want to taste the bad ones. (laughs) <laughs> do we want to? Uh, do we want to? Qu- I mean, because we got a few more minutes uh, here. Foundation okay. cooking show. We that is that is that up, is coming. That is coming at come. some point. Do we want to talk a little bit about the race? Do we want? Because I know we we've talked about the race enough. People know what's on the line. Yeah, but I don't think people realize how confident you are in certain. Nope. Things. And nope. I think nope. Nope. Because nope. I think I think I'm out of this question because I don't think e- I don't think here. either one of you guys think you can beat me. So I'm out. Let's start here. But you two, I think. I will put Don't a verbal. Agree. I'll put a verbal confident front that I'll win. We're, by the way, we're, but we're I'll back it with my heart, saying 100 meter race, guys. 100 first meters. place. 100 I'll, meter pa- race. I'll put it in. Please tell me why you think you can beat Silas. By the way, okay. Yeah, so here's yeah, why I will it. beat Silas. Not think I can. Here's Whoa. why I will beat Silas. First off, acceleration off the line. I'm beating him. So we're going to start off with a little bit of a head start advantage. Me. Silas's top speed will be faster than mine. He has longer legs. Okay, that's that's, that's the reason. not that. Mm, that's that's the reason. Longer some, stripe. Some of the fastest people are very short, it, but they have long legs. Top speed will long be fast. Help. Long legs. Okay, yeah, I'm not saying they don't, but I'm not saying you can't. I'm be not fast built for speed. Long... Top speed will be faster <laughs> than me. But around that 70 yard mark, Silas is going to get fatigued. He can't keep his top speed that long. I can. So my top speed, even though slower than Silas's, will overtake him in the last 20 yards. 
you can't. I just don't think you can get gassed. You, you're in crazy. Hundred meters. You're insane. I will probably get gassed in the hundred meter. Hey, so will if you. Yuli, so will if Yuli's still uh, watching, Yuli, call me on my cell phone if you had something to to bring to the table, and we'll we'll bring you on the show if you're still watching. You know, Hunter, we're just gonna have to. We're gonna this. we're gonna set. I just don't think you can get gassed this. in a hundred meters. The fact All that you I'm think. The fact that you think you're going to win is because someone's People not going to be People who are saying no one gets tired in a 100-meter dash have never ran 100 meters. You're going to get, you're not going to get like gases in like, but you're not going to be able to keep your top speed for all 100 meters. You're not going to feel like you just ran a mile. No, you're not going to be like, <laughs> thank you. You're be, I, did I ever say that? I said he's not going to be able to keep his top speed for as long as I'll be able to keep my top speed and therefore I'll we'll win. We'll see. We'll see. We will win. We'll, I will win. Oh, <laughs> we will whoa. see. Well, what, what, okay, what, hey, place do you, what place do you Blizzard? legitimately think you're going to come in? Third. So who's beating you? Me and Trevor. You and Trevor. I think I'm behind you and Trevor. I think me and Silas will be close. Do you have a blizzard on that? Uh, no, I I am owed too many blizzards to put blizzards on anything right now. Would we bet blizzard on that? Like I you can't... can't throw a zone 400 feet. Okay, I I have one. Mark that down. 400 okay. feet zone. 400 feet zone. Yeah, because I think I've done that before. Like my flippy jawbreaker zone. I think that I can get that 400 feet. Maybe we'll see. I can definitely throw a zone like 350, like just normal. So. I'm just saying, a hundred meters. You can't top get, speed. You can't get gassed. Y'all are crazy. You can get gassed. You can't get meters. gassed. All right, we got Yuli calling in here. Put up to the mic. Yeah. Hello, hello. What up, brother? What's up, man? Hopefully, everyone can. I think everyone can hear you. Yeah, I can hear him. Here, here's the thing, Brody. Brody's so much faster than you guys. <laughs> Brody's not in this question. Wait, did you no. want you want to call Wait. him just to say that I'm faster I need, than everyone? I need a few things. First of all, ending in a tie is the most ridiculous thing that's ever been in the history of sports. It shouldn't be a thing. Agreed. Thank you. Second thing is, ranch is the greatest condiment of all time. Thank you. Meh. Except you can't. Eat Raspberry sauce. Oh Ra- Am I? Oh, sorry. You just like yelled in our ears. Oh, because he juiced it up uh, for his phone. I, I have thing. to turn it up for you, Lee. Maybe, so. maybe put it on put your it mic because you talk slow. Uh, raspberry sauce might be above ranch. The thing is, is you can't eat ranch for breakfast, but you can eat ketchup for all meals. Oh, hold that's on. a great. That hold, is a hold great. On one that's a great point. Hold on one second. Let me. You're think, putting. Let me think. Ke- you can put ketchup on eggs. You're not putting ranch on your eggs. That's gross. Where am I putting totally ranch never, on in the morning? You're never putting. You're never putting ranch on anything in a breakfast item. If you are, you might be real. I'm not trying it. You might be. You might be. You might be true there. Yeah. So I think ketchup, ranch is the best after breakfast, but ketchup is the all-around goat for condiments. Mm. Where Where is mustard on that? Almost every meal. Where is mustard okay. in that list? Nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> Is mustard one of the worst condiments of all time? Yep. You can use it on hot dogs and maybe burgers, and that's about it. I think the only thing below, which I believe is still a condiment, I think the only thing below mustard is relish. Well, you can't usually, you can't really eat mayonnaise in breakfast either, so that's out. Okay. Well, yeah, you're right there. You're right. I'm not putting mayonnaise on anything. Well, no. You said you love mayonnaise. Oh, not, not, for for breakfast. Breakfast. Not, not for breakfast. breakfast. Not for breakfast. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I don't really use, to be honest, I don't really use that much condiments for my breakfast. It's mostly just cheese. I just go straight dairy. Like I pretty, if you, you if can put you cheese on every. Any, if you go ranch or mayonnaise with breakfast, you're not going to be able to run very fast. I know that. 
So maybe yeah. you should try ranch and mayonnaise the day we run our. I mean, they're gonna need they're gonna need all all the help they can get. Because Yuli, do the, you at least agree with me that you can't like you can get gassed with like you can't hold your top speed without training for a hundred meters? Ooh, I don't. It depends on the person. Like oh. S- Silas, how much athletic stuff do you do? In like a Silas is not a debilitated person. Like he, but he's not like he's not. Do you work out? Silas? Not, not on the regular. Yeah, like Silas isn't working out. He's not running. Well, he might now. Yeah. That's why we got to do this race soon so that my back stands. <laughs> if he trains, sure. But if we do this race tomorrow, I'm smoking him. That's all I'm saying. No. It doesn't matter top speed if you can't hold it. That's all I'm saying. We'll see what yeah, the uh, time says. 100 meter dash. Let's just say I hope no one pulls a hamstring. That's no probably going to happen. If no one pulls a hamstring, then it's a win. The last person I raced, and this is true story we bet a hundred dollars i'm the slowest person on the planet he pulled a hamstring i won boom <laughs> <laughs> that's probably that's how that's how someone's racing sure hunter you better stretch a man or a hamstring, and he literally pulled it that's the only reason i won <laughs> yeah there's lots of stretching so a, foam rolling point like somebody's definitely the only way somebody wins that is you're pulling that hammer. Yeah, you can't. We, everyone's got to be safe here. Everyone's got to make sure they properly warm up uh, because we might have to find an indoor track. Like, there's a lot of lot of things that we have to. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna buy. I'm gonna buy turf spikes potentially. Okay, that's too far. Are we okay? The first question is: Are we having a real gun for the the no, start? No. Because we're gonna have to do this at a public track. We can't just go go to a public school <laughs> so and shoot a real gun to start. Are we doing the two bricks where it's just a Sure, that's fine. Okay. What? I mean, we can just clap. Yeah. No, 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 no. Bricks is way better. That's, pre- that's pretty much my three things, though, that I had to call in. Right. I felt well, like we ap- I had a good input on those three things. We appreciate Pie's it. stuck. Ketchup's the goat. Yep. Ranch tastes better. Yep. Brody's faster than both of you. Yeah. That's I, I mean, that's fair. I agree yeah, with all, and yeah. he and he validated my hundred meter logic, so I'm I'm happy. Oh, that's said, still that's still out. Yeah, that's still out for like it's, you know. It's gonna be a, it's bad for Silas when I smoke him. Whenever this happens, oh. I personally have a chance to beat all three of you only because of the hammies. <laughs> <laughs> that's also valid. I'm undefeated right now in the last couple of years because of because of that. I'm bringing a lot of icy hot and just lathering <laughs> up my hammies. <laughs> And icy hot. I'm going to smell like a peppermint patty before we start. <laughs> All right. Appreciate you calling in, Yuli. Come up here at some point so we can do some videos. Can't, can't wait, guys. I love the show and uh, keep doing good work. I'll talk to you guys soon. All right. Take it easy, brother. All right. There you have it. I mean, I guess the debate's still out. Can wait. You... How did the hang-up noise be the same as what it's always been? What does that mean? It sounded Don't worry like you hung up it. through Google Voice. Yeah, uh, Silas has programmed it. Yeah, don't worry about it, man. Yeah, it's 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 out of your then play the play the play the hang up noise. It's off your uh it's out of your uh pay grade. Yeah, you can't. It's you can't But fake you didn't it. just hang up on Yuli because I was on Brody's phone. Yeah, it came through the mic. Oh, okay, it is a different noise. Never mind. How's that? Never mind. Wow. All right. Well, if you want to see Ask Silas get sound. absolutely smoked in the 100 meters and gas at about 60, he might no. not even finish the race. There's a lot on the line. Be sure to be tuning in. That is definitely going to be going on our main channel. Uh, we'll also be posting about that a lot. We're, I think we're going to do like a full 
I'll probably go on Foundation Nation, honestly. Oh, that's probably that's probably right. Foundation Nation. Yeah. So I think it's definitely gonna be uh like full combine. I want it to be well, like yeah, because we also well, it's gonna be separate. I think. I think we're gonna do well. We can post them. I no, them no, no. I, I think events. we're gonna. I think we. I think we're potentially gonna do some NFL events, like combine events, and then I also want to hold my own ultimate frisbee combine for you guys. Well, that's a different video. That's a completely different video. Okay. Sorry, let's just Julius um, Caesar someone. <laughs> uh, the other thing I was gonna say, we're almost at thirteen thousand subscribers. Yes. We're at 12.9. This is the closest you possibly podcast channel. This is the closest you can possibly get. So if you're listening to us uh live right now, hit that subscribe button. We appreciate it. Uh if you're listening to us on Spotify, Apple, any other podcast platforms that are out there, we appreciate you listening. Leave as a well. review. Yeah, drop us a review. All right. Do your call out. Let's get home. Yeah, and you know, this was a great one. Honestly, it was great. Uh and I think moving forward, the fact that we're gonna have a little bit more of an open season. It's going to be mostly sports is what I'm going to say. Like if someone's calling in about like, I don't know, like is this dress black or blue or is it gold? What was it? That. Cause I, that? See, I see white and gold. You see black and blue. Yeah. But if someone calls in, I'm probably going to Julius. Well, that's not that a good person. audio. Experience. Yeah. I'm probably Julius Caesaring that person. Uh, but if you want to call in and say that Tim Tebow is not the greatest college football player of all time, I will come after you because he is. Um, and we'll go from there. If you if you want to call in and say that Ohio State is not one of the best powerhouses in football of all time, I will come after you. If you want to say that Duke is super overrated, I will agree with you. And I will come after you <laughs> hardcore. Who who goes farther in the tournament this year, Duke or Florida? We can't talk about the tournament. Well, Duke will go farther than Florida, but the tournament's not our thing. If we, if we see Lehigh, we're screwed. Dick. <laughs> that is true. You guys are terrified of the 15, 16 seeds. Not which, 16. We've never lost a 16 seed. Yet. We're not UVA. Yet. We got Yeah, but we have lost a two 15 seeds. I mean, who's paying $6,000 for a Duke game ticket? Oh, this is close, Silas. <laughs> that it's just last, sounds, that it's sounds a, It's Coach K's last time coaching against UNC at Cameron Indoor. So There was an article. Someone paid $2 million for two tickets to that game. I mean, but where's that ridiculous. money going? 6000 Where's that money going? The season ticket holders get the tickets. And then are selling them on FanDuel, SeatGeek, whatever. Dang. That's what I had. We should uh, have played the long game and got season my, tickets like years ago. And we would have made money. The This insurance company, the local, they have, they have season tickets to the UVA games, which is like an hour and a half away. And they basically said that they sell their season tickets to whenever Duke or like Carolina, whoever's the best ACC team, they sell their tickets to like two games per season and it pays for their season tickets for the whole year. I used to do that Florida too, like Florida, because it was a lottery system. So not every not every student that like wanted to get season tickets got them. And like, you, if you wanted to, like just the LSU game, the Florida State game, you pick like one game like that, and you literally sell your ticket and you pay for the rest. Yeah. So, but maybe maybe that's the business model we should go into is just start going season tickets everywhere. But there was no way them. there was no way I was paying 12 grand to watch a basketball game from the nosebleed tickets baby sadly so i'll never get to see coach k coach against unc at cameron indoor unless someone has a hookup hit me up (laughs) (laughs) not not for 12 grand i'm just saying if you happen to have season tickets and you want someone to come along i think i I know the ad there do you no dang it um but yeah someone invite brody so yeah oh my god i would never forgive you 
I wouldn't. Oh I wouldn't my talk gosh. to you. Gosh, what if I got like a brand deal that I like wouldn't. brought I, me there? I, I'm not kidding. What if? What if they're like, oh I yeah, wouldn't. we can, we can like, we can hook you up with like two or three people too. Like you can come up, and I'm like, oh Silas, you want to go? I'm not Trevor, kidding. I wouldn't talk go? to any of you ever again in the rest of my life. I'm dead serious <laughs> on that. If y'all went to the Duke versus UNC game and didn't take me, I'm never talking to y'all again. Hundred oh, percent. I'm thinking that. Gosh, I got to try to work my magic now. That would be phenomenal. No, if you get me to the game, I will be. I'll wash your car for life. I'll do anything. We already today. talked about that. That's like not a. That's not something that I'm interested in. I'll that's bring no you, value. I'll bring you unlimited ranch packets for the rest of your life if you get me into this game. I like cold ranch. I like homemade cold ranch. I'll, I'll home make it. All right. Well, every day, there if you, you get me into this game. All right. Well, that's all we got. My gosh. We're out. We're, we, I think we've lost our minds a little bit. I lost it hours ago. Like we did. It, God, we might have to do like a. We have we ever done a. Have you ever done like a drop vlog situation? Yeah. To kind of show what we used goes to. down. We, we used to do office vlogs. But like an actual like this. This is like the chaos that happens. Mm -hmm. Oh, you've done that. Mm -hmm. Oh, so people can watch that. Well, it wasn't the full chaos because it gets so chaotic. I forgot to film. But they can see me. They can see get, my mental state decreasing as the day goes on maybe we get connor that. to film that at some point because it was it was a bit wild we, we had the wives in there helping out and everything like that we so. squatted up it was I a great think, time i think in the future too no headphones we have to hear listen to callers yeah but what if we were what if we're like a no headphones podcast at the beginning and then we're a headphones podcast at the end for like the callers little, yeah like a That's little rope-a-dope like my ears right now i feel i feel like i can you had the worst you had the worst ones yeah these will, cover, these, will, no, these will cover your ears these don't doesn't matter thank you guys so much for tuning in uh we will talk to you all same time same place next week and if you want to hear more breakdowns on what's been going on in the world of disc golf be sure to tune into grip locked on thursday where we're going to more details and fill you in let's hit that 13k baby subscribe